this is it. The moment you've been waiting for. You've filled up on healing items. You've gotten to the save point. The door opens before you. And you're ready to fight the big, bad, backlog breakdown. Welcome to another episode. Episode 65. This one's going to be a little bit weird. It's a little strange. It's a little different. I am joined by Wesley, the Henshin Dad himself. Welcome back for another episode. Wait, does that mean we're the villains? Oh no! I mean, I guess. I get. Yeah, I mean, but don't worry because this is going to be an epic, like hour long, two hour long, two and a half hour long fight. You know, as At it least. goes. <laughs> And we're going to have some, uh, you know, Latin chanting in the background with some big Definitely. orchestras going on. I don't know music, so it's like big chants, yes. big, big instruments, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Hi, yeah. I am Wes, the Henshin Dad himself, as you've heard many, many times. Mm-hmm. And I am the, the first form yes. of this, this final <laughs> boss fight that you're going to fight. Right. You know, the one that's kind of unassuming, you know, seems like it's just going to be like a normal, normal boss mm-hmm. fight. But then all of a sudden I'm going to morph into the true host of this podcast who's already introduced himself. So I don't even know what I'm doing, honestly. Hi. <laughs> hey, uh, yes. Uh, Nate could not make it this evening. Um, you'll hear a little bit more from him later. Um, and he said that he'll, you know, give his picks for best bosses because this episode, we're going to be talking about bosses. We're going to be talking about video game bosses. Um, the past two episodes we've done have been on a little bit more serious topics. This one's just a fun one. We're just throwing it out there. What are our favorite bosses? What are the worst bosses in video games? What even is a boss? I don't know. Uh, it, it's someone I mean, who... What? The real question is, which of these bosses can you date in romance? Mm, that's true. Dating. That, that, that's a list for another day, I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and that would... Yeah, that would probably consist of a lot of like persona strangeness we were talking that's a a fun that's a fun game series let's talk about that (laughs) right exactly i don't know anything about it um no especially considering man that hour-long bite size that you put out last week fan flipping tastic well Um, thank you thank you i don't know why i made it an hour long honestly (laughs) (laughs) i could probably have condensed that into a significantly shorter episode but i don't know Platinuming a game, I feel like that just deserves a little bit more like a weightier discussion, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. So I remember when Persona 5 was first released, the vanilla version, um, there was a joke. At the time, I was listening to a lot of Game Informer stuff. I've since kind of just stopped, uh, especially after the big kind of shakeup that they had there. So I don't, I don't know how what their coverage is like anymore. But there was a joke that was going around in Game Informer that no one has ever actually, this was like a month after it was released. No one has ever, because the review, that's what it was. The review was very late. It was not Mm -hmm. like day of kind of a thing. It was really late in the game. It was like a month after it was released. And uh, the the joke, the ongoing joke was that no one had ever actually finished Persona 5, um, that everyone just likes to talk about it. So like no reviewer had actually ever finished the game because the game doesn't have an end because it's so stinking long. Um, Mm -hmm. So the fact that you platinumed the version that has more content in it is really impressive so an hour long and you know what also it's funny that that 
you know, I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. I'm one of the co-creators of this podcast. And to say that an hour-long episode is bite-sized is not even your fault. That's my fault. Because I'm really bad. I'm really good at being bad at brevity. Having <laughs> messed up the, our, our tag. But anyways. Or really um, bad at being good at brevity, right? There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It works both ways, honestly. <laughs> it's true. It just sounds more positive if you say I'm good at something than if you say I'm that's bad true. at being good. But so. you're called to humility, though. You know, <laughs> that's <And> true. <laughs> as a very humble individual, as you are, you know, you really have to be like real about yourself it's and true. just recognize your faults and admit them to everybody. Mm-hmm. And be I think awesome. then you'll start, you know, just enjoying the ad- the adoration of your fans, honestly. Mm-hmm. But you're very mm-hmm. humble about it. It's called the, the first, humble brag, right? Yes, exactly. And the first step is acceptance, right? That's that's the first step, and then from there, and admitting you have a problem, mm-hmm. yeah. which we clearly do. <laughs> that's true. And that problem is called persona. No, mm-hmm. uh, regardless. Uh, welcome to episode sixty-five. I think I already mentioned we're going to be talking about bosses here today. Uh, but before we jump into the main topic, we you know we're going to pull out our backlog reports. Before we even do that, though, I do have to. It's just tradition. How's how's the weather there, Wes? We always talk. About, I don't know why we're old men. We talk about the weather. Hey, that's how it goes. <laughs> Except I still have my hair, so you know, I feel like I'm still kind of you know embracing that middle age youth or whatever that is mm-hmm. you know, midlife yeah. crisis. You might even say, might buy myself a Harley soon. But, <laughs> nice. Uh, it's, it's the Pacific Northwest, so <laughs> it's <laughs> it's rainy, it's cloudy, okay, twenty four seven. Occasional little bits of sunshine, but it's been freezing. Like, okay. well, freezing for us here, you know, being like 35 to 37 degrees throughout the day. So, you know, okay. that's cold to us. So, above you know. freezing, but still freezing. I, I mean, it feels like no, it's I'm freezing. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Texas, dude. That is, that is super cold. It's, which, it's gotten cold here, which means like mid 50s. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought I, I, I was under the impression that certain parts of Texas just have like the worst weather, though, like down below freezing. Oh, gosh. Uh, d- definitely not Austin. Uh, so the mm-hmm. weather in Austin is completely bipolar. So like you can wake okay. up and it's 40 degrees. And then by the middle of the day, it's like 70, 80. And so you're mm-hmm. like shedding layers of clothes. And then by the end of the day, it starts raining like it, it, it it'll change on a dime. And, and it it can be pretty humid as well because of the heat. Um, but we don't really know cold here. Everything shuts down if there's ice in the road. Um, Mm. like anyone from anywhere North would, would totally laugh. Um, because yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. If there's any kind of ice, like schools shut down, there's no way that anyone's going to, going to do anything and we're made fun of for it, but that's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, no, where I am, it doesn't get cold. I have seen, like, I think the coldest that I have ever seen, uh, the weather report being was like 20 something once when Hmm. I was a kid and I've only seen it snows once every like two, three years. But that's enough to close schools down. So the, you know, that sounds just fine to me, honestly. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but now I grew up in the panhandle of like northern Idaho. So, like, okay, yeah. I am familiar with actual cold. Mm-hmm. I'm not just a weenie, mm-hmm. weenie west, as people called me in my youth. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh. But it does get it went down to zero several times <sighs> as I grew up there. And I'm just like, I can't even like fathom that anymore. I'm just no. so comfortable in my, you know, 
short sleeve sweaters or whatever these things are. I don't even know. Uh huh. Just trying to yeah, look snazzy. I, I've never been in single digit weather, like even on trips and stuff like that, to where there is snow. Never seen single digits. My brain can't even process what a negative Fahrenheit degree even means. That doesn't. Mm-hmm. That, that it doesn't compute. And and people wonder why I don't cut my hair. People wonder <laughs> why I keep it long. It's like it's really yeah. cold. <laughs> I I know what 115 feels like, but I have no idea what what negative weather it, it doesn't it doesn't compute it doesn't process so it doesn't okay. exist right no yeah <laughs> everyone's just joking about that that's not even how do you have something how do you have something negative how do you take away from the weather it doesn't make sense I don't think you well there's this difference sense. between the imperial system and like you know <laughs> that's true. That's no, true. I'm not getting to that. No <laughs> way. That's not an argument I'm willing to have tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, then, I think it's about time that we do delve into our backlog reports. I, I assume that you brought yours then, sir. But I've got I've got mine. All right. That makes for excellent radio, I'm sure. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the entire episode. So we all know that you've been playing some Persona. What? What is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about to report on uh, that Let's you've been see. beating down from your backlog? Well, uh, I'll go briefly into the Persona stuff. So I did get the platinum trophy for Persona Five Royal, mm. which hopefully you'll hear by the time that you know the bite size that Josh keeps mentioning by the time this episode goes out and. That was something that made me feel like I just never want to play another JRPG again. <laughs> so what do I do? I immediately go to Persona 4 Dancing on the <laughs> PS4 since I haven't gotten the platinum for that. And I was feeling very inspired by your post the other day. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to block out four hours here and I'm just going to get the platinum on this as well. Boom. Nice. Got it. Check that off the list. And now I'm actually going to go and play some good games. Some good <laughs> games. So over this past weekend, because I am a sucker, sucker for sales. I picked up a couple mm. different games that I'm, mm. you know, going to be delving into. I did pick up a copy of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity okay. because obviously I feel like I I owe it to myself to, you know, get to know the full breath of the wild story and everything that happens and all that. And I was actually able to get it for like 20% off on Black Friday. So I was like, sweet. Hey, brand new game for like 48 bucks. And I don't have to pay sales tax up here in Oregon. So it's actually hey. $48. <laughs> And then I did the rounds to the other gaming store and I got Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, the complete edition, which has both of those games, which I did get the first one finished on the Vita like, you know, forever ago. But mm-hmm. I don't remember anything in it. So I need to play that again as well as the the follow up to that hacker's memory. Big Digimon yeah. fan, huge weeb. And I got a couple other weeb games here that I picked up in the last couple of weeks because I just liked spending all of my money. Apparently, no, I got most of these on credit. So I picked up a 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which is Mm. fantastic. Like this might be like way better than most other JRPGs. Like it's basically like a cross between certain aspects of Chrono Trigger, certain aspects of Xenogears kind of wrapped up into that 1980s River City Ransom, 1980s Japan style. It is bonkers. And it's 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 a vanillaware game, I think. Mm hmm. Nillaware somewhere on here, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. And it came with an art book and all that. So obviously their games look uh, beautiful. Just nice. absolutely beautiful. And I I dumped two hours into that without even thinking. Like it was just so fun to go through mm-hmm. like the introduction. And it even has like even kind of feels a little bit like Octopath Traveler, where you're playing these different characters, roots, 
and just kind of getting to know them and their interactions. And you kind of see the same story part, same, same story point from like different angles and everything. So that's okay. just been really fascinating, honestly. And it's got like kaiju, tokusatsu type stuff in it as well. So it's just like this big Hey-o. mishmash of a bunch of, you know, really stupid genres that I really like. And that's just <laughs> how it is. And I also picked up uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, and that game is good, but <laughs> it, I haven't put too much time into it just basically because it just cannot run on my PS4. I don't even have a launch edition PS4. I have a PS4 okay. Slim, but it is like chugging, and it is so slow. And even when I huh. try to just back out to the main like PS4 menu area, it takes like a good 10 to 15 seconds to load up. And I'm just like, this, this isn't going to fly to me. So I'm a, I'm a little bit disappointed. There was an update that was just, you know, downloaded on my PS4 earlier today. So I'm hoping that kind of fixed some of that stuff. Okay. But my PS4 was like, it was it was loud. It was super hot. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm not putting too much time into this. I'm not breaking this thing just for Yakuza. Yeah. As good as Yakuza is. And then finally, the, the, the game that Josh has been waiting for this entire time, Kingdom Hearts <laughs> Melody of Memory. Oh, yeah. Also dropped a couple hours into that. And I'm basically to the point where I think like, if you just want the Kingdom Hearts story, just play this game do all the the music levels because it just reca- recaps like every single game up in the entire series like oh. with these little FMVs and just kind of splices them together with narration and it's just it's giving me a lot of good nostalgia okay and that may come up later in the podcast when we get into the main topic <laughs> so that's it for my nice. backlog report in terms of gaming and mm-hmm. Do we go into reading? I can't remember the yeah. format of yeah, yeah. anything anything you've been into shows or books or whatever Okay, uh, one book, Ready Player Two. I finished that, <laughs> downloaded it on Audible. It was a pre-ordered, pre-ordered audiobook, much to my chagrin and shame. <laughs> and I listened to it all in one day and put out a, a little like hot take on my own podcast. And let me tell you, if you know anything about Ernest Klein, this game, or the, sorry, not this. This it feels like a game. <laughs> it feels like it's playing with me. Honestly, I'm the game. But this book, let me tell you. Just picture like the most insane thing that could have happened as a potential sequel to Ready Player One and Ready Player Two does it. I would say they do fix some things about the original book that I thought were kind of annoying. You know, the language has been toned down a little bit. You can tell that this is definitely like, okay, I got to have a good screenplay for a movie here just in case Spielberg (laughs) wants to, you know, capitalize on this again and make a couple extra bucks. So, you know, I got to make it okay. But it is... It is classic line, and <laughs> there's. Gotcha. Can I say much that's positive about it other than that? No, I will say the ending. I never saw it coming, mm. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that to make a reference to Persona Five. Persona Five, yeah. <laughs> what they did with this ending, just just picture like the most insane ending that you could have for this, mm-hmm. where the author directly relates the ending of this book to the ending of a really terrible movie Mm -hmm. in the book itself. It's like, he's playing some 4d chess with us Mm -hmm. because this ending, like you could never have predicted it. You could not have predicted it. And it explains some things about the first book. And I, and I hope you guys get to it soon. Oh, Oh, (laughs) but not in a good way. Yeah. Oh, geez. Not in a good way. (laughs) I've been debating using an audible credit for it, but I'm like, do I really want to give it to climb? I don't know. Um, well, he spends in the audiobook like a solid hour talking about Prince, the musician. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So if you like Prince, I'm sure that you'll get a lot out of this. I don't know anything about Prince, though, so I'm just like, this is literally like the most inane bit of writing. (laughs) (laughs) I respect him much more than I actually enjoy Mm -hmm. his music. Okay. That's just me. And I can't honestly think of a single song that I've ever heard by him, honestly. My musical tastes are obviously not that great. Anyway, so obviously I wouldn't hear of a good musician. But yeah, it's it's an interesting ending. And I don't even know where to go from that. Like, it totally erased everything else I had in my mind. So we're just ending on Ready Player Two, and it, it's, a, it's a downer, let me tell you. <laughs> so I do have a question just based on that episode of, uh, of Henshin Dead where you talked about it. So I know the movie that you reference or that he references about the ending. That's nowhere near the 1980s. Um, right. Is he not like, is he out of like his 1980s phase? Cause I know the first book, the movie, whatever um, it was about, you know, Halliday and Halliday was just mm-hmm. super into the eighties. Does this one like, like make references outside of that? Like, does it use a plot? Is there some sort of plot contrivance where it's like, no, it's just pop culture in general now. It's not just 80s. I think that's what he was going for, like the pop culture stuff in general. Because gotcha. I don't know if you've okay. seen the movie. Have you seen Ready Player One, the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw okay. it once in theaters. and mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say, honestly, the movie's probably better than book at this mm-hmm. point. Because Spielberg yeah. can just kind of actually turn something like a, a turd into a golden turd, if you will. <laughs> but yes, you could tell that he was writing this, again, to be a screenplay for a movie. So yeah. he definitely went out of that, out of the 80s, because there's a lot. There are so, so many Lord of the Rings references, too. Okay. Gotcha. And Tolkien references. And I'm, I'm, I'm really waiting to see what an actual Tolkien fan thinks about okay. what he talks about there. But also, yeah, he, he, I mean, we could say he references The Matrix. He references the Lord of the Rings movies and The Hobbit movies and everything. Oh, so the is, movies even. It, not only the movies, but he's also referencing the Silmarillion in many ways. Okay. So he's kind of going a lot of crazy stuff, but the Dungeons and Dragons references have been significantly toned down for some reason. Like it's only mentioned a couple times. And I know I was uh, mentioning that to Paul a little bit because, you know, that was like the one thing that he wanted to see. And they kind of just completely (laughs) took it out, which is a real bummer. But yes. And he also. okay. so have you ever seen the anime Sword Art Online? Uh, I, I started I've seen like the first couple of episodes and then I heard it goes nowhere, so I stopped it. Okay. Do, no, you know what? I haven't. I'm thinking of Dot Hack Sign. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't seen. Sword oh, that's Art a, online. That's a way better actually. <laughs> but Sword it's, it's Art like online. a similar idea, though, isn't it? It has Am a I? similar idea, and okay. Sword Art Online comes up as a reference in this book several okay. times. Okay. In a very odd way. And I, I'm just not really sure how to explain why he thought this was a good idea (laughs) because I've never actually seen anybody say that they actually like sword art online. Mm -hmm. I've never, I mean, I hear people say, okay, well the first couple episodes are pretty good, but after that it just kind of goes off the rails and it's just like, why would anybody be putting that in like a positive way? Unless you have just (laughs) really terrible taste in anime, (laughs) which putting it, you know, given that it's, you know, Ernest Klein, I yeah. don't want to say he has terrible taste in anime, but he, you know. Or if maybe you don't really know what you're talking about, and you just want to reference <laughs> something popular but, with the kitties. What a weird thing to reference. 
That was popular like eight years ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, right exactly. when Ready Player One came out. So the weird. only time I hear about Sword Art Online is when another terrible game comes out. Mm-hmm. And like right before it's released, people are like, no, 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 this will be the good one. And then it comes out. And it's <laughs> like, oh, no, it wasn't a good one. That's what you call Stockholm Syndrome, I'm pretty sure. Yes. <laughs> but I had something yes. else to say, but I totally, I, I'm done. I, once Ready Player Two comes up, I'm done. I'm just, just signing off. Sorry. End of episode, everybody. out of you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's the importance of being earnest, Klein. I don't, I don't even know what I meant. I just was trying to reference. Something. That was a great pun. Uh, I can tell you're a dad. Yeah, there you go. Three children later, here I am. Um, all right. So with the Thanksgiving holidays... Um, and the only reason I say it is multiple days. Um, I have actually been playing a bunch of video games, so I've got. So I'm going to pull up the old GG app here to take a look at it. Um, so you know, I talked last episode about how I wanted to kind of clean up some of the games that I had been playing for the rest of the year, which a little bit, yeah, and a little bit no, um, because I have gone through. So I was playing Mario and Rabbids. Did, did I talk about? I can't remember if I talked about that briefly on the last episode. Um, but I did finish it up. Uh, the last battle was was super cool. Uh, I died a handful of times, so it took some strategy. But once you kind of figured out what was going to happen, um, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult. Um, there's a lot more content in that game in terms of challenges and other things that you can do. Uh, I, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't really feel like going back to it because I already finished the, kind of the main campaign. So it was a good time. I enjoyed it, um, but I did finish that one up. I went and popped in Animal Crossing just because, you know, there's no real end to Animal Crossing, but you can roll credits in the game. I'm pretty sure you have, right? Yes. You played, uh, yeah, Which you were talking about how your to wife, like, like, <laughs> totally took over that game. Um, Demolished me. it. Yeah. Like she does most games. <laughs> I, I mean, she's just hard. Quick aside here. My mm-hmm. wife is probably 100 times better than me at like every video game. If she How put her mind that? to it, she can destroy any video game, but she doesn't like games. Gotcha. <laughs> she doesn't that, enjoy them. I don't understand that because you like you destroy RPGs and I don't get how that's even possible. Um, but somehow, I'm pretty sure she could play Dark Souls. I'm pretty sure she could. <laughs> it's easy. Just as soon as they do this tell, then you just roll out of the way. Yeah uh okay all right um so anyways so animal crossing so here's what happened like it was on my list of games that i had been playing and i just hadn't hadn't finished i'd put a bunch of time into it um but i i didn't really go into like the the aspect of actually like beautifying the island well i pop it in and i go and talk to um i can't remember his name why can't i remember his name but the tanuki guy um Yes, Tom Nook. There you go, Tom Nookie. Um, so you go to him, and he'll he like basically tells you what to do to kind of make your island better. Um, to do this final thing, well, basically you you invite KK Slider. Big spoiler here. Um, you invite him to your town, and then you get the he plays a concert. You get credits. So I wanted to find out what I needed to do, and I talked to him, and he's like, "Oh, funny thing, we got this letter in from this person who said they want to come by." And uh, so you look at the letter and it's signed KS and then everyone's freaking out like, oh, that's KK Slider. He's going to come. We're going to have this. So like basically all I had to do was talk to Tom Nook and then the next day KK Slider would come. So I finished 
Animal Crossing, but I mean, technically, I guess I had already finished it because literally all I needed to do was talk to Tom Nook, and then the final little thing would have happened. So um, I did knock that out as as beaten in the GG app. And, and what then, did you think of that beautiful concert that he put on? Oh, oh, so um, I'm I'm well, I'm not ashamed. I had actually watched a bunch of so my kids get a kick out of KK Slider. Like I've played, I've played some of the videos. I think it was from like the GameCube game of the Mm -hmm. concert that he put on in that one. And they love the way that he sings little little thing. And ding, 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 ding. Just the way his guitar sounds and the way that he sings. They think it's hilarious. So one time I went to pull it up and there was like a whole playlist on YouTube of all the different songs that he can play from the the new one, from the one on Switch, from New Horizons. And so I'd actually seen all of them before uh. just so that my kids, because they just sit there and laugh at them. They think it's so funny. And then they start singing it too. And it's really <laughs> funny. Um, so I had already seen it. I, it's great. Like it's great. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't have the same impact because I had already seen it on YouTube. So That's what YouTube does to you guys. It desensitizes you for yeah. sure. But KK Slider, I've got well, I I have an amiibo of KK Slider because I just think he's so cool. But my kids pop the head off of it, so he's a headless <laughs> KK Slider. Um, the morbid, final game that okay. I've actually no, sorry, um, th- no, it's not because there are two games that I finished. Um, w- another game that I've beaten is uh, another one that I like. One of the first games that I picked up for my Switch. I just never went back to it. Uh, to, to really like kind of learn it more is Wild Guns Reloaded. So this was a, I think it was an arcade game first, and then there was a Super Nintendo. No, 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 no. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Anyways, there was a Super Nintendo game, Wild Guns. Wild Guns Reloaded brings it's a it's a gallery shooter, and um, this this is a remake where it actually goes 16 by 9, which makes it more difficult because there's more enemies on screen. Although they add some more characters that make the game easier. Or in 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 my estimation, playable because it gets really really rough. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of like that. Be- I like that challenge because it uh, kind of like teaches you how to play by throwing you into the deep end. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. I did beat. It's it's only a few levels. I mean, I think it was like six levels total. If I go back and play on harder difficulties, I can unlock other levels. I think there are two extra levels that I could play. So I so there's still more to do in the game. I played one of the characters that's like the easy mode character. Um, and you have unlimited continues. You just don't get on a high score list, whatever. I don't really care um, if you use them. And I used a ton of continues. But it does start you Naturally. off at the beginning of the level. So it's not like it's not like arcade, like, oh, just throw in another quarter and keep playing type thing. Like, you know, especially mm-hmm. that last level, it is rough. It's, it's basically like a boss rush. And... Uh, yeah, so I had to use a number of continues on that one. But anyways, it, it was you, a really fun game. What's that? Did you play as the dog? That's, yes, yes. Awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a dog, it's a little dachshund that mm. runs around, and there is a little, like, hover drone, basically. Mm-hmm. And the drone shoots while the dog runs around on the bottom of the screen. And so it's easy mode because no one else can fire and move at the same time. The dog can't because the dog is not actually shooting. The drone is shooting. And if the drone gets shot, then you can't shoot and it 
yeah, yeah, you're basically defenseless. You can just run around as a dog until mm-hmm. uh, until the drone stops being stunned. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Uh, He's adorable. Yes, Bullet is his name. He's oh, great. even better. Yes, ah. it's great. Uh, so, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. I just took an evening and, and beat that. Uh, I started up Metroid Samus Returns after beating Mario and Rabbids, so it was my handheld game, and I am loving it. I know you're not the biggest fan of Metroidvanias, um, but I'm really digging it. It's just nice, and I, I just love like the ex- exploration, right? I mean, that's what Metroid is, mm-hmm. is known for. It, even though it's it's in more of a 3D style, you know, 2.5D, whatever you want to call it. It, it feels very, very, um, I guess, nostalgic. It feels like a Metroid mm-hmm. game. So I'm digging that one, playing through it. I'm only in the third area, so I'm sure no. there's a lot more to go. Last game, Weeb Game, is uh, Persona 3, <laughs> Dancing in Moonlight. Uh, so I'll go into it. The story here is that I want I wanted to get... Th- so Persona 3, Dancing in Moonlight was released alongside Persona 5, Dancing in Starlight. They came in a big pack together if you wanted to buy them together that came with a downloadable version of persona four dancing all night, which is like the prequel to these games. Um, so I wanted to buy that package and they had it used on GameStop's website for 20 bucks. So I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and, and just see if this will actually contain it. Thing is, um, that pack comes with three and five physically and four is a download code. So I knew what I was getting into might be there. It might not. Um, when it finally got shipped in uh, a few days later, I opened it up. Uh, not only was it only the two discs, but it was in a generic case, and the case itself was like crushed. Oh. So I was like, ah, uh, I'm like, it's been on sale for a little bit over twenty bucks digitally, and it comes with Persona Four mm-hmm. Dancing as well. So I'm like, I'll just return it. So I go through GameStop's website to to do the return, and it's like, okay, just ship it back by December twentieth. So I'm like, oh, well, that, that gives me like three, four weeks. I, I guess I could, you know, <laughs> play them before I send them back. Why not? I, I at least try it out, see what I think, kind of a thing. Because um, there are tons of GameStops here in town. Uh, or, I mean, I could just ship it back to, to through FedEx or whatever. Um, print out a shipping label. So anyways, I popped in Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight, and I got hooked on this game so much so that over the course of four or five days i proceeded to get the platinum for the game now that said this is sort of like a budget title it took me 10 11 hours to get the platinum so it it was not like a ton of time that i dumped into it um it was definitely a lot for me but like i said it was over the thanksgiving holiday um but still i i usually don't put that much time into uh, you know, over the course of just a few days. Um, but that's what I did. And it fills me with nostalgia. I'm, I, I liked the game way more than I thought I would. Um, the, the mechanics, the, the rhythm mechanics are just solid. It took a little bit of getting used to. Um, but once you find your groove, I think it's, it's very solid. I like the remixes of the song songs. Um, that I have very fond, memories of persona 3 so the songs bring up lots of good memories um the i still have my own issues with the story 
still think it doesn't make any sense. I, I still don't <laughs> like the fact that these characters are dancing on a stage. It's still weird, but I really enjoyed the game for what it was. And mm-hmm. I decided to platinum it. So, so far, I only have two platinums on my PlayStation account. I got both of them this year. One was for uh, one was for this game, and the other one was for the those visual novel games. Uh, the Virtue Zero Escape, right? Nonary right. games. No, yes, yes, the nonary games. There you go. So, uh, I am a very strange man. That uh, these two weeby games are the ones that I've decided to platinum. Now, listeners, you you have to understand, this is an entirely huge victory for me because (laughs) I have been hyping Persona 3 Dancing Up to Josh for months, so many months now, Mm -hmm. so many months. And his response was always like, I don't know. I don't think the characters would act like that. It just seems like a little bit of emotional whiplash and everything. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. no, trust Mm -hmm. me. Trust me. Like the music, it's good. You're a music guy. You do music. That's That's your thing. That's mm-hmm. what I know you for. You're a music guy. It's a music game. It's like peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate. Mm-hmm. Same thing, right? Yeah. So like, and I, and I, and I have a good lore, re- lore related reason as to why these characters are doing this. This actually fits into the canon. So lest you don't think it does, this is a, there's a good reason for this, but I'm not going to get into it now. We got to save that conversation for another day. Yes. Yes. That will, that will come. That will come, but but today uh, we won't we won't necessarily yeah. be going into that. And I do still need to play five uh, dancing. I did decide after after like blazing through it uh, and getting the platinum, like I'll wait a little bit before five. Now, like I said, I still need to give it back in a few weeks because um, I'm not planning on keeping this physical version just yet. Um, but I will be playing that two mm-hmm. and then uh and then hmm, who knows I'll, I'll talk about it more i'll, I'll just say that um <laughs> you'll never yes. see it coming ladies <laughs> and gentlemen you'll never see it coming exactly the the other thing that i've sort of gotten into i can't think of any like movies that i've watched but my wife and i uh have started watching the second season of the umbrella academy mm. so that's been fun i i will say I'm not sure there's a very fine line between creating characters who have flaws and creating unlikable characters. And it kind of vacillates with the show as to whether or not the cast is in one camp or the other. Hmm. Because, because there are, there are characters that I like, but they're also jerks a lot of the time. And then there are characters that I want to like that I'm like, Oh, but you're kind of a sad sack. <laughs> you don't really make good decisions either so maybe i don't like you very much um and then there are other characters that i'm just like oh no i hate you like you're, you shouldn't every time every three extremes everybody is the worst <laughs> right exactly i wish there was the extreme of i love you all the time and you're fantastic but that extreme has not popped up yet um, no. but it, but it's a fun show and it certainly like, it understands the medium of television, um, and like episodic content. So it leaves you wanting more at the end of every episode and it's, it's bonkers at times too. So it's fun. It's just fun to watch. Um, there's mm-hmm. just something like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it would give a wholehearted, whole, what is that? Is that a word? No, wholehearted 
recommendation. Lee? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, hearty, like, th- yeah, anyways, like a, mm-hmm. like a stew. Um, this is whole hearty. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was just that- disappointed to find out that this wasn't like some kind of like tie-in TV show to like the Resident Evil franchise. Because I was just like, that sounds <gasps> oh, yeah. awesome. Umbrella yeah. Academy? <laughs> oh, oh, no, it's not that. Okay. No, it's a, it's actually, it was, it's based on a comic book. So there are these mm-hmm. kids that are superheroes. They were orphans. Uh, they were adopted by this mysterious you know, mustachioed goatee man who was like super hard on them through all of their childhood. Um, but then they became like this, this like superhero band, uh, but it ended up getting disbanded and like, they're all like basically dealing with the trauma that they had as kids and like people not liking them anymore. And then, Mm -hmm. and also just throw in a big chunk of post-apocalyptic or like leading up to the apocalypse and then post apocalyptic and then time travel weirdness of like trying to save the world before it all gets nuked and yeah it, it gets bonkers but so it's, pre-apocalyptic it's, yes yes yeah. because of the time travel stuff it's like they know that the world is going to end and mm-hmm. and they're trying to prevent it but in preventing it they might be causing it too so mm-hmm. uh, so that's like the uh the, the fourth uh, eschatological view right there <laughs> right exactly yes yes exactly pre time travel there you go tribulation post i don't, I don't know post millennial mid time travel yes yeah there you go there you go <laughs> mm-hmm. i just All remembered right. the no, other we... show i just remembered the other show that i yes. wanted to mention okay oh, yes. so it, but klein totally like booted this out of my head mm-hmm. but uh i just today actually started watching something that's been on my my back burner for a bit, and that is the Ultra Q TV show. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Ultra Q. It does take place. It's like the prototype, basically, the prototype show towards Ultraman. And it yes, was right before. Wasn't right it, before. Wasn't it the creator's like second show? I think it was his or first was show, his first? actually. Okay, okay, cool. And he had helped the out Ultraman with some other things. Like, okay, gotcha. But this follows like this, you know, it, it's all in black and white. It follows like this just small team of like investigative journalisty, sciencey yes. squad people before Ultraman basically shows up like on the scene. So it's basically just humans facing off against these big like kaiju type threats and everything. Nice. And just watching those four episodes, it's basically like it felt like the Twilight Zone meets like miniature kaiju type movies and it was super fascinating and Mm. some of the things that they're bringing up in the show is just like unbelievably like cutting like satire of like the you know geopolitical stuff happening in japan at that time and it's really really fascinating and that's getting me into like watching a bunch of these other like ultraman shows like ultra seven and I'm I'm loving this. Like the, the <laughs> their post war commentary is really biting and really like kind of mean at the time. <laughs> but they're oh. really good at like kind of like getting you to think about some of these like really important concepts. Like I'll just mention that like I watched the Ultra Seven episode the other day. I think it's like episode eight, and I can't remember the title of it. But a ba- the basic plot was that this alien was using cigarettes in order to turn people's trust against each other. And because cigarettes were like super like prolific in Japan at that time, it was considered okay. like yeah. this, like completely innocuous thing. So mm-hmm. people are smoking and they're going crazy and they're becoming violent and everything. And then 
the guy who is Ultra Seven, who's also like this human character and everything. It's an interesting dynamic there. He meets with the alien and the aliens just like, well, we don't really have to take over the world. We're just going to let humans do it themselves because you're so full of like distrust for each other and you hate each other like deep down. And all we're doing is just bringing that to the forefront. And then obviously, you know, Ultra Seven has to, you know, grow and fight the alien and everything. And the narrator at the end, he's basically like, well, the aliens plot to use, you know, the distrust against people failed because, you know, humans, you know, trust each other too much. But don't worry. Don't worry. This this show actually takes place several, several years into the future. Why is that, you may ask? Oh, because people today don't actually trust each other enough for this alien to ever have any, like, foothold into, like, humanity. And it's just presenting these, like, really, like, high concept ideas in a children's show basically saying like, well, this this obviously is not, you know, a true take on today's thing because we actually, you know, don't trust each other as humans. And this is actually reflective of a culture that would actually trust each other. So it's like kind of giving you like these ideals, but saying like, oh, yeah, there's no way we're actually at that point yet. So it's just it's really fascinating, huh. like where this is going from. And if anybody wants to know, if you go to the Shout Factory TV website, you can watch all of these old shows for free. For free, Whoa. you can just stream them. Ultra Q, Ultra Seven, Ultraman, Return of Ultraman, I think is on there. Ultraman Ace, Jeed, or all the good ones. You should just go watch them. And apparently, Aquabats is part of the Tokusatsu <laughs> channel. I don't know. Aquabats and all these other things. Wow, I had no idea that it was free. Oh, that's crazy. Because mm-hmm. I, I know that they just added the at least like Jeed and um, I don't know. Maybe or, it was Ultra Seven. I don't know. But they mm-hmm. were just added to uh, Tokusatsu. So mm-hmm. I've seen like random episodes, not that I, I watch it very often, but like whenever I do have a free minute to, to watch TV, I'll usually turn that on. Um, mm-hmm. Cause the anime channel is like newer, like new video <laughs> stuff and, and stuff like that. So um, you're like, I've already seen all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, it's the bastardization of Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, you mean the true version, right? The, yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> it's the money-making version. <laughs> Oh um, yeah. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was on the Shout Factory website. I will need to check that out because um, I want to get into. I, I think we've talked about this before. My only holdup is that because it's not in English, it needs to take my full attention, right? Um, because I need to read subtitles. Um, yeah. And not that that's impossible, but now that um, now that I know I can watch it in a systematic probably isn't the right word but just like mm-hmm. in a way um that i can go from beginning to end uh, hmm, that opens up possibilities yeah. and i like it quick aside here quick aside mm-hmm. here i think the thing that uh the watching the 60s and the 70s shows at mm-hmm. the, the benefit of watching those old ones is that there's just a lot of time where it's just like more environmental type stuff rather than actual dialogue like it, it feels very like non-verbal a lot of the show so you're just kind of like watching the pictures, but I even I am just like, okay, some of these old shows, like I don't actually have to like really like zero in and make sure that I understand the complete plot and actually like read every bit of subtitles. Like I can actually get the general plot just from like the sounds I'm hearing and the way that they kind of the cinematography and everything and the atmosphere that they're trying to present. It just kind of makes it a lot easier to get into and binge, honestly. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Man oh man. All right. Well then maybe I'll uh Maybe I'll jump, get into that, and then uh, maybe we'll have a crossover on a different podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We're going to so, talk about Aquabats, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, no, I'll, I'll I'll give Nate the honor of talking about Aquabats. He's the <laughs> he's the resident ska expert. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're done with our reports, uh, we have a word from our friends. Friends? Hey there, I'm Wes, and I run the Henshin Dab Podcast. If you don't know what that is, well, it's a one-man show where I talk about all the things that you need to know about the tokusatsu genre from Japan. If you've seen shows like Power Rangers and Ultraman, then you've seen Tokusatsu. And I just happen to think those types of shows are pretty cool. So come on over and take a listen as I discuss all the current and retro happenings in the genre. You can find it over at anchor.fm forward slash henshindad. I'll see you there, and don't forget, henshin a go-go, baby! Alright, so after uh, that wonderful word from our friends um, whom I'm sure you haven't heard in a long time. Um, Obviously we're going to go ahead and jump in talking about the best bosses of all time, or at least in, in our recent memory, our estimation. So we've got some, our own top 10 lists. Um, as I mentioned, I'm sure Nate will kind of chime in here later. Uh, but we, you know, just wanted to talk about bosses because bosses are a good time, right? There, there's some games. It just feels good to take down a boss, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Do you agree? Um, I would definitely agree. Sometimes it's awful to take down a boss. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm not exactly looking forward to it because I don't really feel like dedicating the next two to three hours of my life <laughs> to the specific boss. No, looking true. at you, final boss of Persona Five Royal. As fun as that was, oh, <laughs> that is not on the list. <laughs> It was a fantastic boss fight, and it took me forever. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. That's about all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Were there more forms to the final boss of Persona 5 than there were to the, uh, I can't even, Shino, right? Was that his name? Shido? Shido. Shido. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Okay. And that cup had like three or four versions, didn't it? Anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, all I'm saying is that bosses help to give, to 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 test you. I, I would say like the best versions of bosses test what you have learned up to that point. And then um, in addition, you know, you, it just feels great to finally like overcome a challenge like that where um, you, you've run the gauntlet to get up to them. And then finally there's, there's this thing. That comes up, and and we'll talk about it more as we kind of jump into because in our in our little bit of discussion um, beforehand, yes, there are a lot of final bosses on our lists, but they're not all final bosses. There are some bosses that that come mid game, or or in my case, I've got one that's even sort of early on in the game um, where they challenge you, and there there are reasons there. So um, let's go ahead and just jump in. We'll do some best bosses. And then just for fun, we'll throw out some worst bosses as well. Uh, we did uh, try to whittle it down to our top 10, although neither of us have really put it in any kind of order of like, this is definitely number one, the best boss ever. Um, although I would I would say there is one that we'll, we'll talk about that made both of our lists. It's probably pretty high on there. Um, but <laughs> regardless, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to start just because this will be kind of a, not not a throwaway, just that we've talked about it on this podcast before and fairly recently, so I don't have to go into much detail. 
Um, and that is from Bloodborne, because of course there's Dark Souls games, Soulsborne games that I'm going to talk about, because those games have like big bad bosses that you have to take down. And uh, I I did talk about it on our on our Bloodborne episode, but Father Gascoigne stands out to me um, just because he's the first like real challenge. And don't get me wrong, the previous boss that you fight, the what is it, the cleric demon, I think is his name. Uh, he's not easy by any means, but Father Gascoigne really challenges you, and uh, he's just a creepy character at that point in the game. He's actually a very tragic character when it comes to the story. Um, and I think he's fantastic. He's kind of, I did also put on here, uh, Ludwig who comes in on the DLC. He's also a fantastic boss, uh, for other reasons. The, the, just the, just the visuals and the two forms that he has, he really challenges you as well. Um, but I do have to, to hand it to Father Gascoigne. Um, now, Wes, I know you started Bloodborne. Did you ever face Father Gascoigne? I was about to say the uh, the worst boss battle in that game is obviously the villagers that are like right outside like the first room <laughs> that you go to because they have kicked my butt every single time I've even tried that game. Gotcha. And no amount of running, no mm-hmm. amount of running can escape from them. Those villagers are obviously OP. Gotcha. Did did you so ever no. did you ever see the um the the one dude that's in like huge armor? He's like a big round guy with a huge axe. I remember an axe and I remember a big armored guy. Okay. And obviously okay. I, I I stayed far away from them too. I'm pretty sure they're right at the beginning of the game, aren't they? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's like next to a big gate if you like turn yes. and like break down some stuff. Uh that I think I killed one of them. Nice. That was probably okay. like the biggest accomplishment I've ever done in gaming, and I figured like that's when I need to put the game down. Yeah, that that makes sense because because he, I mean, he can hit you for like half your health. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's pretty intense. I've died to him a number of times. He's one of the types of enemies that's like, oh, he shouldn't be too hard, and then you underestimate him, and he kicks your butt. And then you have to go back, and then you're nervous because you want to get your souls or blood echoes or whatever. Sometimes you do, and sometimes you lose them. Because you're dumb. That's me. Because I'm dumb. Okay. So that's my. Uh, th- that's one of mine. What. Uh, what do you have for us, Wes? What are some of your okay. favorite bosses? Well, starting off, I, I. I'll say I'll start off with one of my uh, more throwaway bosses, and that's from a little game. People might not expect this from me, but from a little game called Portal Two. Now, have you ever played Portal Two? I haven't played the second one. I've played the first one, so okay. I know Glados. I know how how weird and creepy she is. Mm-hmm. Well, the the main boss of Portal Two, and I might have to spoil just a slight bit. That's fine. Actually, not Glados. Okay. Uh, Glados eventually becomes a potato. Just you know, throwing some huh. no context spoilers there. Nice. A little bit. There's a potato a involved cake, here, but a potato. And the final boss is actually a a robot. I'm just going to spoil it because it's been okay. out so many years. Come on, yeah. people. Yeah, you should have played Portal 2 when it was like popular. But the final boss is actually a like robot character named Wheatley. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, British comedians at all, but Wheatley is actually voiced by a Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, he's got this very like specific style of comedy. He's a comedian. Mm-hmm. And the way he voices character throughout the entire game, he's, he's like this ever-present voice just looming around you and it's his sense of comedy is just so good like his deadpan humor and everything and he eventually becomes the final boss that you have to fight against so he's like joking 
the entire time that you're fighting him. And it really sets off this really interesting, like dissonance between like how serious GLaDOS was in the first game and how like not serious this character is, but he becomes serious when he gains all these crazy, like GLaDOS like powers. And eventually like the, the only way that you can beat him is when you, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but you send him somewhere <laughs> and it's, it's very cathartic when you send him somewhere. <laughs> okay. And, I haven't really thought about Portal 2 a lot in the last couple of years, but I really want to go back and play it just because it was such a fantastic game, like mechanically. And they mm-hmm. test you on all of the different powers of the portal gun that you have, as well as all the different gels and everything that you need to use in order to accomplish certain tasks. So it just mechanically, it just felt like such a such a win. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to try hard. And so it's like not not as mechanical as Bloodborne, I'm sure. But <laughs> for, you know, babies like me, we got to deal with we got to, you know, what our appetites with just you know simple <laughs> simple first person shooters. So I'm gonna say that's one of my that's one of my favorite ones honestly, and I'd go back and play that in a second. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I mean, like I said, I haven't played Portal Two, but even the first Portal, it definitely like bends your brain in a different mm-hmm. in a different way. And I've heard Two is even better than the first one. Uh, it, it's funny. The the thing is, I binged the first Portal because it's only a few hours long. Like three yeah, it's really not hours. long at all. Um. And after beating it, uh, I, I looked at Portal 2 and it was like, I think How Long to Beat had it at like 11 or 12 hours. And so I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling a, a longer version of this because I just played this and, and I just hadn't gone back to it. I'm pretty sure I own it. I might not. Uh, but it's like constantly on sale. So if I wanted to oh, play yeah. it, I could. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely on my list of games that I need to play because I did really enjoy Portal. I just haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't done Portal 2. Um, Steven Merchant, I know of him. I just can't mm-hmm. think of anything like that. I, I would not be able to identify his voice. Um, I've, I've seen there's there was a show called An Idiot Abroad that was really mm-hmm. funny um, where he like, you know, has this banter with with other characters in the show. But like I nothing like particularly stuck out to me mm-hmm. about him. So I, I'd have to I'd have to play the game to kind of get the feel. Yeah. The only thing, Sweet. the only film credit I know him from is from, <laughs> bizarre, uh, Nomeo and Juliet. And if you never watch Nomeo okay. and Juliet, it's actually <laughs> hilarious. And he is one okay. of the gnomes there. And, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is actually genuinely funny. Like, I haven't seen any of the sequels, but Nomeo and Juliet, if you, if you like your, you know, Shakespeare knockoffs, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty funny. And he's one of the gnomes there. And he's just, it's the same voice. He does the same voice for all those characters. And it works every time because it's just so like, boom, deadpan. <laughs> Okay, nice, nice. When you said Nomeo and Juliet, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've seen that on Redbox because they always have those like weird, like <laughs> yes. super low quality uh, mm-hmm. knockoffs. But it sounds like this is much better than that. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to check it out. You know, to tell it's my a good kids, kids about movie. It. They'll definitely enjoy that. Um, okay, so num- well, these these aren't really numbered. Um, so this one, but this one would be kind of lower on the list. And the reason is because I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's one of those things that's like you had to be there. Um, but this dude makes my list because it, it made a, just narratively this early on in video games. Uh, this is uh, Garland and or chaos from the original final fantasy on NES. Oh, so, Okay. I grew up playing this game like we had the cartridge the you know the, the we didn't have the map but we had like the 40 page like uh manual for the game 
And if you haven't played the first Final Fantasy, it, it is it feels epic when you're you know nine years old, <laughs> when you're twelve years old, um, <laughs> because it felt really long. Uh, you know, you go on this huge quest again. What feels like I think it's I think it's like a fifteen twenty hour game now. I could be I could be totally wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't played it in so long. Um, but anyways, the, the game starts out, it kind of makes dig that dragon quest by like, you save the, the princess, like that's the first thing that you do in the first like hour of the game, you take down this, um, knight who's gone rogue. His name is Garland. You take him down, you get the princess back and then your real adventure begins. Long story short, at the end of the game, there's these weird time travel shenanigans that are going on and this character chaos has been creating this time loop. And so you have to beat him. Well, it comes out that Chaos is actually Garland. Like, actually, after you defeated Garland, um, I can't remember exactly, but he basically, like, sells his soul to the devil or something like that and becomes Chaos and creates it. Like, he learns how to time travel, and then he creates this time loop so that he can become more powerful. And just the way that it went from, like, it took it back all the way from the beginning of the, of the game and now that character that you had beaten um, has become like this this huge menace who's like about to destroy the world. I just thought that was super cool. He also looks awesome for like mm-hmm. original NES 8-bit graphics if you look at Chaos. I mean, even Garland looks pretty cool, um, but Chaos looks really cool too. So it might just be nostalgia, but mm-hmm. uh, I think he's super cool. The real question is, did he knock you all down? No, what? Oh, well, that was a wasted joke. It's <laughs> the first thing he says. He's like, "I Garland will That's knock you all down." Right? Uh, oh man, man. sorry, it's flat been flat so on my face there. <laughs> ah, no, you were just expecting me to actually know the video game that I'm talking about, and uh, <laughs> that's right. Oh man, mm-hmm. good times. Funny thing about that, uh, I do have the novelization of Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3. And what they really try to do, it's a super short one, though, for number one. It's like maybe like 50 pages long, and it's kind of a compendium of all three games. But it's really interesting how they like really try to characterize him as well as like how respected Garland was among like the soldiers there and everything. Okay. And how just yeah. like tragic his character kind of seemed at that point. And I don't know. I, I felt like it was a pretty good novelization of the first game, other than the fact that they try to use the most inane fantasy tropes and names and all that gotcha. <laughs> like actually named like all four of the main characters are just named like these just almost feels like randomized like name generators for fantasy stories <laughs> but yeah yeah i digress so but no i have never actually finished final fantasy one I, I need to get back to that someday okay i got i got stuck in the dwarf village or something and i, I could never go uh, i could never figure it out <laughs> after that. oh man yeah you give them the tnt and then they blow up the the little uh, the connection point there, and then you can sail across, and then there's a vampire attacking the city. Uh, oh, well, memories, there you go. memories of when I was young. Anyways. I have a, a dreaded fear of vampires, so that's probably where I stopped. Uh. <laughs> it's debilitating, let me tell you. So, okay, my next one. Yes. Given the game you just mentioned, actually, that you're playing, this might be a slight spoiler. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, the Queen Metroid for Metroid okay. 2. Okay. Actually, and I don't okay. know if you know much about the original battle. Like, I, I played Metroid 2 a lot when I was younger. I borrowed it, and I was always terrible at it, obviously. Okay. And I played it with my cousins, and they were always better than me. So, obviously, that kind of fuels a hatred. 
But when I was going through that year that, that we were doing backlog golf and I was just trying to knock down like as many games as humanly possible, I binged through all of Metroid 2 that I could. And okay. honestly, it 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 was one of those experiences. It's like, I don't think I'm ever going to replicate that experience. Like, I, like you mentioned, I am notoriously terrible at Metroidvania type games. I cannot find my way through a map like whatsoever. Like I have a horrible sense of direction when it comes to like these two dimensional games. Okay. That's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I can't play Hollow Knight. Like it's, it's so hard for me. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, it is a hard game in general, but mm-hmm. okay. Just the navigation parts, the hard part for me, huh. Huh. but feeling like the sense of accomplishment that I got to this boss battle at that point mm-hmm. is like, Oh wow. I finally did it. This game that I remember when I was like maybe four years old trying to play on the old like brick game boy finally it's coming to a head and that's that's a hard battle too because this giant queen metroid it's like it doesn't look like a normal metroid it looks like a giant alligator crocodile thing and the only way that you can beat it is if you use like 150 missiles in order to take it down so you need to be like fully stacked or you have to like go into the morph ball form and then go inside of its mouth and bomb it from the inside a couple times okay and they did something interesting with that boss actually where there was like this little drop off point like right underneath the boss because like if you were basically on the verge of dying it actually allowed you to escape the boss battle and come back to it later and it it was a pain in the butt because you have to go to all these different platforms to get up there but (laughs) yeah you could escape it at any time that you wanted to just go and like refill or get more health tanks or whatever that you needed so i just thought it was a really great like epic battle it felt epic and it was a game boy game so Mm -hmm. that's that's one of the ones that i would definitely put on the list and if you haven't played metroid 2 yet I don't know how it is in Samus Returns. I'm imagining mm-hmm. it's even better, even more grand and epic. But for the Game Boy, it was a fantastic battle. Okay, okay. See, I'm I'm surprised that you talk about like not being able to navigate 2D games, and then you say that you got to the end of Metroid 2. Because that's right. what I've heard about Metroid 2 is like it all looks the same, mm-hmm. especially because it's on Game Boy. You know, you don't have you get green and white. Um, so that's that's yeah it, it was surprised. a war of attrition let me tell you it was okay it was a slog it okay, was hard. right okay yeah okay. that's why i consider it one of my greatest gaming achievements yeah there you go there you go you get the um the, that feeling just washes over you mm-hmm. that's awesome you're uh, dead to me <laughs> and everybody finally else. uh so the next one on my list and Again, this is kind of like going, well, there's, there's, ah, there's a few things here. I feel like I have to, uh, give a little bit of, I don't know, a disclaimer simply because this is one of my favorite games of all time, but it's Lavos from Chrono Trigger. Um, and the re so the thing is, I don't think the battle itself is like super difficult. I I remember it being fairly easy the first time that i played it now i've beaten this game countless times um it's like dozens of times so like not all the way through but i've gotten through endings and you have to beat lavas every time so it's not that it's like the greatest accomplishment but the fact that the whole game kind of leads up to you see you see this creature destroying the world multiple times you're knocked back and forth to different times uh, every time you try and fight it, that finally at the end of the game, you 
fight what you think is Lavos, and it's really just the shell. And then you go inside, and then you fight what you think is Lavos. And then that is also some sort of like a shell. It morphs into like the real kind of Lavos larva looking thing, along with its two other uh, little little drone looking dudes. And so just everything that had built up to getting to him and then finally fighting him and having these multiple forms and um, that last form, it does do the whole like, oh, this drone, you can only do physical damage and this drone can only take magic damage and this drone heals the main lava. So you have to kind of like, you have to juggle it. Again, not that it's like the hardest thing in the world because I have other bosses on here that are super hard. Uh, and Lavos is not one of him. And maybe I'm just, maybe it's just because I love this game so much. Um, but finally taking him down and like having everything that had come up in the game up to that point uh, and and being able to, to destroy him was super cool. So Lavos from Chrono Trigger, final boss, makes my list. Now, I almost, I, I really considered putting him on the list and I would okay. definitely agree, like, he was, as bosses go, fairly easy. Like, I, I beat it my first time. Like, the first time I played it on the DS, that was, you know, it was not a hard battle, especially compared to some of the other battles in that game. But mm-hmm. I think what really, like, sets him apart is that he's just such this like, grand villain. Like, everything is building up to this character. He is almost, mm-hmm. like, mythological in the sense, because you're going between, you know, time period and time period, and you're always hearing about him as he's like this ever-present evil yes. that's influencing all yes. the time. He's destroyed the world. He actually accomplished it in, you know, different time periods and everything. So, like, finally coming face-to-face with him and actually just, you know, giving him the smackdown and everything is like, look what I did. I just conquered this fantastic evil that's been ravaging all humanity throughout the entire you know, timeline of human events and everything. I feel like it, it really just puts like an appropriate, like grand stature for him. So even though he's, you know, fairly easy, like it, it's a good boss. Yes. Oh man. Yes. I'm glad. Okay. So it's not just nostalgia talking. It does actually no. feel that way. It's not just yeah, 12 year old Josh. <laughs> it does. No, I, and, but that's also why I don't like what they did in like Chrono Cross and how the characters from Chrono Trigger just kind of die off willy nilly. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, but I digress. That's not what we're talking Whoa, spoilers. about. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never played Chrono Cross. So. I I had never gotten to that point either. But I've had the game spoiled because mm-hmm. that because it's it is all kinds of ridiculousness. Uh, that That's story fair. is is story is whack. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, who you got next? My next one, I, I actually had to look up the name because I honestly okay. couldn't remember the name. And this could be a big like nostalgia thing for me as mm-hmm. you know as well because I don't think I beat this. I, mean, I beat this game when it first came out, so it was it, it was something else at that point. And that would be the the final boss of the world that ends with you. I guess the name is like Draco okay. Conscious. And I don't know if you've played the world ends with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have. Okay. Yep. So if you remember, he's like this big, like giant dragon type character who's taken up both screens and everything. And my memories yeah. are a little hazy because I haven't played it in a little while. But I remember that guy just being like absolutely like impossible for yes. like so long. Yes. And it took me 
it took me maybe like a week to get through the actual game itself, but it took me like weeks afterwards in order to like really start honing my skills and actually like getting better at the game and playing that stupid pin game that you have to play throughout time to time (laughs) and like actually getting like the good pins and everything and all the good powers and all that. And it was, it, it was just this like astronomical feat to finally be able to just be like, boom, basically down to like the very last bit of my HP, you know, just one of those final grand hits and finally ending up beating that game and, you know, seeing the bonds that the main character has developed over the time and how he's changed as a person, like actually playing out in the gameplay. It was, it's a really like magical experience. And now that we, you know, hear that there's a sequel coming out basically, Mm -hmm. I'm like, how are they going to recapture that feeling? Honestly, like what are they going to do? it's it's going to be a really really high bar to hit for them on the sequel, but mm. yeah, that was that was such a good game, and I feel like that's like one of the reasons why I got into like so many of these different like persona type games and everything because that game uh-huh. is like my, my gateway drug into like that Japanese cultural like Shibuya, you know, late you know two thousand yeah mindset, so yeah yeah it, it was an interesting game with fantastic music and just hearing all those themes playing ah. I want to play it again right now. Nice. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I remember. So I played most of that game because it had a dynamic like difficulty slider that the more difficult you made the game, uh, Mm -hmm. you get more experience. I played most of the game on like pretty high difficulty Mm -hmm. to to gain more experience. I had to I had to lower that bad boy in order to finally (laughs) beat that boss. Um, because yeah i remember just like coming up against them and i'm like wait what like nothing has prepared me for this Um, no you oh man yeah you feel so unprepared for something like that huge (laughs) yeah yeah but you sound more dedicated i don't remember exactly what i did um i don't remember if i grinded for a little while or what um because i don't i don't remember turning it like all the way down to easy but i do remember Mm -hmm. definitely having to change it um, because there was no way I was going to beat him on you know, with a high amount of difficulty. Um, oh no! But I also didn't play the pin game because it felt so <laughs> it felt so random. Like I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was doing. But anyways, uh, yeah, he, he was a good boss. I get I get it. I get it. This one's kind of a weird one. So this is not a final boss. Um, this was actually an optional boss, although technically he is like the most difficult boss in the game. But I think that's kind of what makes him so cool. So, um, again, maybe nostalgia. I don't know. I don't care. In Super Mario RPG, you can unlock a special boss in one of the areas towards the end of the game um, that was a nod to Final Fantasy. And the boss is called Kulex. And he is this character that, like, it. it's almost kind of like a throwaway, like, he's like i'm from another dimension and i'm trying to find like the best fighters or something if i remember correctly it's been so long since i played this game but um it's a totally different art style than the rest of the game it looks like something straight out of final fantasy it uses like different crystals to attack you and it is the most difficult boss in the game Mm -hmm. and it's so cool because it feels so out of left field but it's also like there to challenge you like if you want more from this game there's this character, there's this boss to take down. Uh, I don't think I ever actually beat the boss because no. I don't remember <laughs> doing anything after fighting Smithy. Um, mm-hmm. But 
But the fact that he was there and, hey, I really like Final Fantasy, I just thought was super cool. So I think he, I think he's definitely one of my favorite bosses, even if I haven't beaten him. And I feel like the, the battle music that plays, I think it's one of the Final Fantasy battle themes, if I'm recalling it correctly. Yeah, it, it has a different feel to Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's got to be some sort of like remix or something, but it definitely mm-hmm. feels very different than the rest of Super Mario right. RPG, which is which is very light. It's it's very much, you know, it's it's a fair it's a pretty easy game, too. Um, and this is just like, no, he's he's here to beat you down. Mm hmm. Going along the same lines, though, we, we, we have to mention the Axum Rangers. The Axum Rangers oh, were hilarious. Yes. All of their joking that they did. Oh, and yeah. oh, I was so just good. like, even back then, I was like, oh, those are the Power Rangers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. This is so cool. Mario and Power Rangers together. Ah, uh, fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's so true. They were pretty awful. They were pretty easy. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's what made them so funny. Because didn't they start bickering? As you were beating? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That was fun. Yeah. That game had so much charm. Yeah. I almost put Kulex on mine as well, but it's just like, again, yeah, I've never actually beaten him. And I I got the floor wipe with me when I first started it. And I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) I'm not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. All righty. My next game that I have to mention, this one is very near and dear to my heart as well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really hard honestly to choose one single boss from this game okay so i'm just going to kind of all lump them together and that's basically every boss for mega man 2 every single one of them okay okay i yeah loved all of the theming that they do in those different games and how they have all the different levels leading up to the boss of that level Mm -hmm. and how they went from you know in the first game, they had only six robot masters, and it kind of felt a little bit more clumsily, haphazardly put together. But mm-hmm. Mega Man 2 like, really tightened that up and made sure that you understood, like, okay, you got to know this one's weakness, or you're going to get the floor wipe with you. Otherwise, just go get Metal Man's Blades, and you'll be able to take care of, like, 80% <laughs> of everything. But how that all leads up to, you know, th- there's this one part, like, where I have no idea when I was, like, maybe four or five years old. I have no idea how I got to this boss, but I remember playing the dragon with the disappearing blocks over and over and over again. Yeah. And I'm just thinking to myself, was I some kind of like prodigy when I was four (laughs) years old to be able to get to that part? I don't remember putting in passwords. So I must've just been like freaking awesome at Mega Man (laughs) two to be able to get to that point. And then finally, like years later when I was actually like earning my way up to fighting Dr. Wily and trying to figure out like all the different weaknesses on him and, when he turns into an alien randomly and he's like flying around and everything. And the only thing that can actually hurt him is the stupid bubble power. Yeah. (laughs) The stupid bubble power is the only thing that can take him down. And it's like just learning that understanding like the weaknesses of these different characters. I love that so much. Like mechanically it's, it's really solid. And I, I guess for me, like final boss fights, it's all about the mechanics and everything. Can you really like put to use everything that you've learned and does this actually hold up with the rest of the game? So I don't know. Everything in Mega Man 2 is great. The dragon is super memorable. It probably gave me nightmares as a kid. He is I, rough, dude. Yeah, he is. It's so hard. And the yeah. Yellow Devil, I think, makes an appearance in that game as Ugh. well. And they're all very memorable. So mm. Mega Man 2, everyone. Nice. Every single person. That That's a good one. I, I don't have any Mega Man bosses on my list. Um, and it was simply because it's like, 
often Mega Man bosses are easy after you know how to beat them. And so it's hard for like one to stick out in my mind, but that, that totally makes sense. Uh, oh man. And even just you talking about like Wily becoming an alien, I remember that like blowing my mind of like, Oh, I'm, he's an alien. That makes so much sense. And then like the lights turn on and it's just Dr. Wily. Like it's just a hologram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and- which, which was so funny because it's like, I had just freaked out about it, but Yeah. <laughs> I would be absolutely remiss though if I did not mention the uh, the fan song that came out in Japan and basically took Japan by storm, and that is the "I Can't Defeat Airman" song. I don't know if you've ever listened to that song. It is fantastic. It's called uh, in Japanese, it's "Airman ga Tausenai. and that okay. entire like boss thing, like with Airman and Woodman and how those powers coalesce and everything. Pretty sure those are Mega Man Two, right? I could be wrong. Pretty sure those are Mega Man Two. I think so. Pretty sure about them. Okay, yeah. There's this there's this Japanese fan song that was made. It's like this indie band. They put it together. It's super awesome music video, and that's basically what launched their careers to becoming like super, you know, awesome, good like musicians, indie musicians, I guess. I don't know. But if you have the chance, go and watch the the original music video for "I Can't Defeat Airman," and I I promise that song will get stuck in your head because it's <laughs> nice. that good. It's so good. Ah, I'll have to check it out. That sounds awesome. Dang. And it spawned a lot, a lot of spinoffs. So many spinoffs. <laughs> Even Dragon Ball related ones where an actual Dragon Ball voice actor sang the song in character. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh I'll have to God. share that with you later. Dang, yeah. yeah. Mega Man yeah. 2. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I've done a lot of nostalgia so far. Um, so this is one that, I mean, it, it's it's been a, a while since I've played it, maybe like four years or so. Um, but this boss always stuck out to me. Again, not a final boss, but one, um, this is from Resident Evil 4. So Resident Evil 4 starts out, it eventually becomes kind of an action game, but it starts out really creepy. And there is one area where a lot of the enemies that you're fighting are carrying chainsaws. And the thing Ugh. with these enemies is that they can one-hit kill you if they get close, and you literally see them, like, chainsawing... Uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, my goodness. Why can't I think of his name? Um, Leon? Leon. There you go. I was like, Lance? It's not Lance. What is it? Leon. <laughs> Lance, uh, the main character Lance, of Resident Evil 4. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah so and they'll like straight up chainsaw leon's head off Mm -hmm. uh and that was so jarring and freaky the first time that i played it so after you get through that area it basically opens up to this arena uh where you fight two they're, they're called i think they're just called the chainsaw sisters um and you fight two of them at the same time so like while you're shooting one and keeping your distance from one of them Another one can sneak up behind you and chainsaw your head off. So the entire battle, you're like on your toes. And and for me, like just freaked out, like super paranoid that another one is going to come around and sneak up on you. And uh, man, I just thought that that is one of my favorite bosses. Certainly, probably my favorite. That game has a lot of ridiculous bosses. But that one like freaked me out probably the most out of all of them in the game. And so that one, yeah, Chainsaw Sisters are one of my favorite bosses of all time. <laughs> Chainsaw Sisters sounds like a great name for like a metal band. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> the thing about Resident Evil 4 mm-hmm. is that 
I bought the Wii version when I got to yes. college. Uh-huh. And I thought I was being like super edgy, you know, super cool. It's like, oh yeah, I got Resident Evil Four. Look at this; it's all bloody and da 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 da. There's the IGN logo on the Wii cover. It's great. Look that up <laughs> if you don't know what that is. That's that's hilarious. I I think I know what that is. Did, well, I thought that was with Okami, or maybe it was Okami. With, I don't know. It was a Capcom game. Okay, yeah, whatever it is, but. I remember bringing it back to my dorm room and I was like super excited to play. And then I'm like 10 minutes into the game and I get chainsawed and I'm just like, nah, nah, <laughs> <done>. bro. <laughs> this game's not for me. <laughs> nope. Nice. I put it away. Never played it again. <laughs> I have it sitting on my PS4 sometime when I'm brave enough, but I don't think that day will ever come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a quick uh, Google search Wikipedia shows that they're actually called the Bella sisters. Um, from when you get the the little bottle cap that you can get of them so my bad that doesn't quite sound it doesn't sound quite as metal no no chainsaw (laughs) sisters all the way (laughs) there you go awesome my next one i'm actually going to combine two because they're from the same series cool and i'm going to be throwing throwing micah a bone here because i also quite enjoy this series and that would be the psycho mantis fight from metal gear solid one and the final boss of Metal Gear Solid 3. So Psycho Mantis, obviously, you know, it might be even on your list. I don't know if you've played Metal Gear Solid 1. Yes. You have? Yes. Okay. So obviously both in the PlayStation version and the GameCube remake and everything, they got these really cool like fourth wall breaking moments Mm -hmm. where it's like he reads all the data on your memory card for specific types of games and basically kind of like mind reading you. And you have to like put the controller in a different port and they really try to psych you out with some of the visual effects and everything. It's like... When you can make a boss like so memorable and he's basically just like this kind of honestly, really and truly like from the game, he's a pretty early on boss and he's really like not as memorable as some of the other ones necessarily in terms of like the actual combat. Right. But like he's still a meme to this day. Everybody refers to Psycho yeah. Mantis fight as being like one of the best things ever. And I was like, oh, yeah, obviously. So he has to be on this list simply for posterity. But nice. the one that I really wanted to touch on, unless you want to talk about Psycho Mantis first before I go to the next one. Oh, no, I, I was just I mean, he I actually cut him from my list because I had too many. And that's simply mm. because of my experience of him. I completely agree that he ought to be in a best boss list ever. Um, mm-hmm. I had already known what he does. It had been spoiled to me before I played Metal Gear Solid. So it didn't mm-hmm. hit me quite as hard. It was still cool, but it oh, was, yeah. it didn't freak me out. It was cool. It was like, oh, that's. Like, that's just such a cool thing. So I didn't experience it the way that it ought to be experienced. And mm-hmm. I totally understand why um, it it has as much. Uh, it's just such it's so memorable to, to every, anyone who's played the game. And I completely agree. He ought to be on the list. So I'm oh, glad definitely. that he was on your list because I, I had to cut it. He was a runner up on mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I did get to experience it like the way it was meant to be because my brothers had like bought a PlayStation home just randomly like someday like i didn't even know the playstation existed and they just brought a playstation home and i'm like oh this is cool it takes discs okay discs, yeah. kind of reminds me of that sega cd thing we got over there oh that's kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> and then like i watched them play like through all of metal gear solid like on the playstation with those visuals and everything and it was it was super memorable and probably not appropriate for me to be watching when i was like <laughs> i don't know seven eight nine years old i don't know but it, it was a really cool game but the other one would be the final boss of Metal Gear Solid 3, known as okay. the boss. Mm-hmm. She's the boss. So not the big boss, 
but the boss. <laughs> and the thing that I really liked about her, again, going back to those mechanics, it's like you have to take everything that you've learned as Snake throughout this entire game, and you've gone through some really crazy bosses during okay. Metal Gear Solid 3. They have some of the most wackiest, memorable bosses that you would even begin to imagine, and there's like multiple ways to beat some of them. And some of them you don't even necessarily have to face if you really understand some of the mechanics of the game. It's really interesting, interesting. how they do that. But like when you finally like are up to her, and you're basically just going like on a one-on-one brawl just between you and her. It's not like this necessarily like this big, you know, giant robot fighting, you know, the different metal gears and anything. It's like right. that's the the final boss to me, at least, in my mind. And it's just like one-on-one brawl between her and the different ideals that they had and you know, slight spoilers, but, you know, like her betrayal to those ideas and him fighting back against that. But also knowing that his it's, it, you know, Metal Gear Solid plot <laughs> doesn't make any sense necessarily at all. But, you know, like the, the betrayal that he feels, the the trust that he had in this character and everything. And you're really seeing like this clash of ideals, which like going back to Persona 5 Royal, like they do something very similar at the end of that. And this is like, I'm just a sucker nice. for the like this is like one on one. Just use your fists man to man or man to woman i guess because the boss is a woman but it's like you know just one-on-one type of fight like that's the kind of thing that gets me i don't know why but nice. that's the kind of thing you know a big old rocky rocky type fight yes <laughs> yeah there you go that's cool that's awesome i have not yet played uh actually any of the metal gear solid games outside of the first one um, mm-hmm. but i have heard that three is great so and and actually as i perused kind of other people's lists Throughout the internet, uh, she did show up. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. she, it was a she. I just saw the boss. Um, so there you go. Yeah, and she's a very tragic character too. It's great how they weave oh. the the storyline around her. Nice. Metal Gear Solid Two is also good. I, I will mm-hmm. say that game is underrated. Yeah, I I need yeah I need to play them. They're on mm-hmm. my games of shame. Maybe, <laughs> maybe next year we'll see. Some year, um, right? <laughs> It will happen eventually. I own it. I've owned it for a while. Um, Okay, so since you were throwing a bone to Micah, I'm going to throw a bone to Nate and bring up uh, Shadow of the Colossus. So, I mean, obviously, it's a game about boss battles. That's really the only battles in the game are the bosses themselves. The ones that stick out to me, and I mean, we, you know, we kind of talked about all of them when we, uh, when we had our episode on Shadow of the Colossus. The one that sticks out to me the most is the eel boss, um, simply because, and I, I talked about it, but because you're in the water, because it's dark, and then you see it kind of looming, and it's, and it starts glowing, and you see how huge it is, and oh, it just gets under my skin. That whole boss, I've, I've talked about it, but the first time I played that game i didn't actually finish it i literally had to pause the game and set it down my wife was in the room i i had to pause it and set it down and just kind of like recollect myself because it was freaking me out so much there's just the thing about being in water and and the way the cinematic nature of this game really made me feel like i was there and i had to take some time and then go back to it and i finally beat it um, so that one sticks out to me. I do think similarly, there is a bird boss. I think it's called Avian um, or, you know, what what people call it. And um, that it's similar because it's in a very similar kind of arena that's kind of dark and it comes and swoops down at you and that can get kind of freaky. But if you time it just right, you can grab on. And then there's this cool 
um, element where you're holding on for dear life when it starts dive bombing and going really fast, and then it slows down, and you can run across and start stabbing it, and then it speeds up again, and you have to hold on really tight, and it just feels really cool. Um, so, anyways, I just want to mention that one as well. I think I think the eel takes it for me, um, but the bird boss was super cool as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can definitely say that a lot. No, some of the boss battles in that game <laughs> are really great and really memorable. Yeah. I have my own opinions on this, though, that I will mention later. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I will say I saw on a lot of lists that the very last boss of this game was on a lot of, of best of lists. And I um, don't exactly agree. It, clearly, because I think the eel and the bird are better. So we'll talk about this later. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> what, what else you got? All right. So I am actually going to mention a Zelda game now, and that okay. is from the clear and the obvious best Zelda game that's ever been made. And that is Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. Ah, okay. Obviously. Okay. The best Zelda game that they've ever made. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mention the final boss of that game because what I really enjoyed about that boss, it's called Nightmare. Uh And, you know, given the themes of the game and all that with the windfish and the dreams and all that, everybody knows how this game ends. It was a dream the whole time, you know, very Alice in Wonderland-y. But what they really did with that boss, I think, is not only did they have this boss morph into actual bosses from that specific game, but mm-hmm. it morphed into bosses from other Zelda games, yeah. specifically Link to the Past. And I guess timeline-wise, this game is supposed to take place like directly after Link to the Past. So like yep. calling the boss Nightmare and like recalling these nightmarish bosses that you had to fight before, that Link had to fight before in his timeline, basically throughout his life, you know, bringing that up, you know, when he was just a little kid, he had to fight these like crazy hard bosses and everything. Now he's a little more grown, but he still has like the trauma of fighting them yeah, and everything. I don't PTSD. know. Lore wise, PTSD. There you go. <laughs> like it makes perfect sense that this character would morph into like these nightmarish versions of bosses he's fought before, like Aganium and Ganon from Link to the Past. And I think that's super clever. And that fight is also complete shenanigans because it's freaking impossible. It is so hard. That boss is so ridiculous. But because of the theming around it, I can forgive it for being a little bit insane. Yeah. But I remember going to revisit that like a couple years ago and I was like, how, how (laughs) did I ever beat this as a kid? Uh, I don't know. I can, I can hear the, when you hit that boss, because uh, Link's Awakening is super nostalgic for me. It was my first Zelda game. I've beaten it Mm -hmm. so many times. Um, It gotten stuck so many. Oh my goodness. Like I got stuck (laughs) for like months uh, at Mm -hmm. multiple parts in that game. This was like pre-internet kitties when you couldn't just like we had to, to ride our bikes to the library if we wanted to get on the internet, and figure this stuff out. Uh, regardless. Uh, yeah. Just the, just the sound that it makes the, that sound effect. It sounds almost like an aggravated kind of like yell that it makes whenever you hit it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. That was good. The sound boss. design in that That's game was amazing. One. Yeah. So good. Especially with how they blended all the different instruments together. Yeah. Yeah. For that final song. Oh, that's man. why everybody should play Link's Awakening. It's fantastic. I... Better than Breath of the Wild. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You did say it was. It was the best one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh? 
they're such different games. It's hard to it's hard to even compare. They are, but, yeah. I know. Uh, man, oh man. I'm being facetious. <laughs> well, clearly, I mean, it does have a hook shot, so it has to be. So, does um, <laughs> okay. What do I want to choose next out of these last four? Um, let's go ahead and go with. Uh, well, let's let's do another nostalgia bomb. Okay. Um, again. This might not be... Th well, this one's actually pretty similar to Lavos. Maybe I should have just lumped him in with that. So, as as most of you probably know, my favorite game of all time is a tie between Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. And hence, um, the final boss of Final Fantasy VI, Kefka, makes this list for very similar reasons to Lavos. Um, mm -hmm. He is not a particularly difficult boss. Um, now, I grinded the crap out of the characters so that all my characters knew Ultima at the very end of the game. Um, which is stupid, don't do it, but I wanted to be prepared. And so it made the boss actually pretty easy for me the first mm -hmm. time I, I fought it. And actually, I think I've only actually beaten the game once. Um, so Kefka, similar to Lavos, well, Lavos is just like this menace throughout the entire game. Kefka is a bumbling idiot at the start of Final Fantasy VI, and you see his rise to power and how power makes him, like, he's an idiot, but he goes absolutely insane when he gets power. And then there's this entire cult that comes around it. Like, he destroys the world. He's the leader of this cult. You finally fight him, and he's not... Well, you fought him earlier in the game as well, and he looks like he looks like a clown, literally. And then this mm -hmm. final boss, he's like this crazy, like, Greek god-looking thing. Um, and, and the music is fantastic. And so, it, so really, it is the build-up and the multiple phases you have to use all maybe not all of your characters if you've gotten the extra characters in the game but you use tons of i, I think a dozen characters i think it's three sets of four but i could be wrong um i think you might be right yeah in order in order to fight him because there's three different forms but the forms it's not like he's morphing it's that you're literally like fighting the different areas of this really tall like sort of again sort of like greek statue looking thing with all these it's it's just absolutely crazy and mm -hmm. so the build-up and the final takedown um all of that kind of built together made for a fantastic final boss in my mind so kefka from final mm -hmm. fantasy 6 makes my list i mean especially with like the build-up throughout the entire game and how you mm -hmm. see this guy go from like basically nothing yeah to everything like i i don't think i've seen characterization like that before in like any other game since where you're just seeing like this entire crazy villainous arc just slowly you know seeding its way throughout the entire game and eventually it's just like oh hey well there you go <laughs> yeah 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 and he's it, this insane power it's pretty crazy yeah sorry just just thinking about it. but he's a clown too that's the funniest part right Right, yeah, yeah. He's literally just comic relief at the beginning of the game, mm -hmm. and yeah, Whew. yeah. So a, a worthy choice, a worthy choice. I will accept that. <laughs> yes, not as good as Sephiroth, though, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Okay, so my next choice. I only have three choices left, and I think you only have three choices yep. left. So this will actually yep. work perfectly because I combined two. All right, so I don't know if you have played. Pokemon Gold or Silver or Crystal. Have you played any of the second generation Pokemon games? I played a little bit of Gold. I didn't finish it. it I, I mm -hmm. didn't get very far because I was playing it on an emulator on my phone. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> How terrible. Years, years you, and years ago. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, back in my youth when I'm allowed to make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So did you play red, blue, or yellow? Yes. Yeah, I played a completion. bunch of blue. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. So my the final boss I want to mention is in gold, silver, crystal, that second generation of games. The thing that this game does unique that hasn't really been replicated since then is that in, in gold and silver, you are it's taking place in this area called like the Johto region. And you, mm-hmm. you beat the eight gyms there, you fight the elite four, and then all of a sudden, like you actually gain access to the region from red, blue, and yellow, the Kanto mm-hmm. region. So you get to like get on your little boat or your little bullet train and go over to that area and you get to fight all of the original eight gym leaders or at least, you know, the the eight gyms there all over again and earn all of those different badges and everything. And that in and of itself is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you get to go and, you know, do a rematch with the Elite Four. But at the very end of the game, there is like this mythical, you know, mystery thing happening where it's just like okay you have to get to the top of i think it's mount silver or something it's one of the mountains in the game that you haven't really been able to explore up to that point but once you're like able to get all the badges done and you beat in the elite four and everything you get to hike up this mountain and at the very tip top of this mountain you get to meet the protagonist from red blue and yellow Mm. and you actually get to have a battle with your character basically from that game Nice. And what makes this really memorable, other than like the fantastic music, is that the team that he actually has very closely mirrors the type of team that you would have had at that point in that game. And his Pokemon are like in like the low, like level 80s. You've never encountered okay. Pokemon like this high of a level before. Not even the legendaries go that high. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's got a big old pack team of like six Pokemon, all of the starters from that game, Pikachu. Okay. I think there's like a Snorlax, uh, a Lapras or something. No, no, a Snorlax. And I think there was a one of the EV evolutions and everything. And just okay. the amount of prep time that you need to take in order to like be able to best your character from the first game <laughs> is insane. It's insane. And he's basically like this, you know, mythical figure at this point because he's yeah. the one that beat Team Rocket. He's the one that was like the, the champion and everything. Like he's conquered the world and he's just sitting up there silently at the top of the mountain just contemplating something and it's like one of the things that the uh the pokemon adventures books do really well is that they really like flesh out these characters super awesomely so it's like i'm kind of transposing like those characters onto like these characters in the game and everything and it's just this is like oh my goodness this is like clash of the titans type thing it's like this guy (laughs) is like this super awesome trainer and i can beat him i can actually beat him if i plan hard enough and strategize hard enough and it's it's a fantastic feeling when you finally beat him and he disappears, and you're like, I'm the champion now. Eat it. <laughs> I get so. to sit on the top of a mountain. <laughs> and not talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's, but that's it, it was so such cool. a cool feeling. Because uh-huh. that was never spoiled when I was a kid. It was like, okay. who, who's that at the top of the mountain? No, it's your character. It's you from the first game. So I was like, whoa. Nice. Does it, so. does it give him a name? I think it just calls him Red. Okay. okay. Because I think that's the canon name, right. basically. Mm-hmm. And you get yeah. to fight the Gary Oak character as like one of the gym leaders earlier on in the game. So he comes back as well. And you're interacting with all these characters you saw from the game that you just played a couple years ago. So it's all like already instantly nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. super cool. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a Mewtwo or a Dragonite. You would, or, you would uh, think. What, Gengar was pretty good. 
in that first. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, OP. I mean, I'll, I'll say you know it, it. It wasn't first game wasn't exactly balanced. There were some. <laughs> no, it was it was broken completely. <laughs> there there were some Pokemon that were just clearly better than others, or types that were just way mm-hmm. better than other yeah. types. And programming glitches actually made it actually so that specific type attacks that are supposed to be super effective against one were not effective whatsoever. So Psychic <gasps> was clearly and obviously like the best type because it could demolish yeah. everything because of a programming glitch. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Okay. Well, there so, you go. Learn something new funny. every day. Uh, all right. I uh, got three more. Okay. So this one is going to be kind of similar to Chainsaw Sisters, the Bell Sisters, in that... Um, the reason that this one is so difficult is because there's two of them. Uh, this is a very classic boss fight from the original Dark Souls. Uh, you go up against these two like soldiers, and they have they have some lore to them as well. So there's that if you're into lore, <laughs> which if you're really into Dark Souls, you probably are. But uh, regardless, it's or masochism or masochism you know <laughs> then you got to have something to do while you're tending to your wounds right so why not read a bunch of lore um th- their names are ornstein and smo if if you've heard of sort of like classic dark souls boss fights th- you've probably heard of them because up to this point you know you're taking one-on-one and th- i mean this is this is the second half of the game for sure if i remember correctly but for a lot of these games, Dark Souls Born in general, fighting one boss is tough enough. But fighting two at the same time is can be absolutely infuriating. Um, I will say, my own personal experience, I did luck out and it didn't take me that many tries. It was probably less than a dozen tries uh, to take them down, finally. Um, but it, I kind of lucked out because they are very difficult because you have to... You have to know where the other one is at all times, otherwise they're gonna come up behind you and sneak attack you, and then it's just then it's just a number of because one of them plays more um one is more ranged or can be more has more ranged attacks, and the other one is just like a big bruiser with a huge uh looks like a gavel, but it's a huge hammer um so so they are absolutely mm-hmm. intense orange scene and smo from dark souls. Sounds like a name of a an interesting comedy duo, duo there, Ornstein and Smo. <laughs> yes, right, right, yeah. It's like the I mean, J-J-J. I have a, I have a hard enough time like fighting just like a single character mm-hmm. in that game, like just like what was it, skeletons in Dark Souls that you like meet early on and they try to attack you. Oh man, skeletons! By, like are... the first fire. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there are there are some. Uh, yes, yeah, they are skeletons. Sorry, I'm thinking of like the skeletons in the graveyard in that game are stupid because mm-hmm. they come back to life and they're, they're oh, dumb. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, you start off in that in that little prison and there are the skeleton characters. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I dropped a couple hours into Dark Souls. Honestly, like I, okay. I was really trying to make it work. Nice. I was trying very, very hard to make uh-huh. it work, but it just it just didn't work. It probably you know because I was playing on the Switch, and that's you know really really tricky to play play a game. I don't know if you beat it on the Switch. You probably did. Yeah. You know, like no, I, I played it on times. PC. So oh, PC. Okay. Yeah, but the first one. I mean, your first Dark Souls game is your hardest. I put in sixty hours to beat the game. Basically, whenever there was a, something that was too difficult for me. Uh, I would go and grind for a little while and mm-hmm. then that would help. There were two areas in particular 
that really, oh my goodness, they were infuriating. One was mm-hmm. a boss, you fight multiple gargoyles on top of a roof. And it, oh my goodness, so many deaths. Uh, because you're fighting multiple bosses at the same time. And it's stupid. Now, in that case, um, <laughs> it was only after you'd like taken down the main one to like half health before another one shows up. So at least that one does that much. With Ornstein and Smo, they're just like, from the beginning, nope, you're fighting mm-hmm. two at the same time. Good luck. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. And then another area was where you have to traverse like a very thin rail up from one uh, rooftop to another while archers are shooting at you and uh, i fell off so many stinking times it yeah it was great but anyways i digress that's not a boss that's a ledge <laughs> i mean it's dark souls so pretty much everything is a boss everything's a boss <laughs> everything is a boss you're not wrong <laughs> you know just just walking from like one side of the room to the other that feels like a boss to me <laughs> i tried i really tried but that game was so stinking hard for me <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But you see, people respect me for getting all these, you know, RPGs done in such a short time. But I'm like, no, no, you guys, y'all are the real MVPs. If you can get through <laughs> Dark Souls and Bloodborne and everything, my uh, hat's off to you. None of my accomplishments matter <laughs> in comparison. Uh, but, I mean, yes. if you play Dark Souls like an RPG, then you can eventually do it. But you have to just dump a ton of time into grinding. But yeah. I time dilation powers don't work on Dark Souls. Right. I found that out real quick. <laughs> so all right. Nice. So my next one, mm-hmm. gonna have to bring up the fantastic, the amazing Earthbound all right. franchise. Or yeah. mother, as it is in Japanese. And it was really hard to limit this just to like the one like endgame boss because all of the endgame bosses in each of the three games are super memorable in their own right. But I, I will have to give it, you know, ultimately to the one in Earthbound, Mother 2. And that's Gigas or Gigu or Gigas. Gigantus. I don't know what his name yeah. is, actually. Every final boss is great. But this one in particular, like, really, like, struck home with me in particular. Because yeah. the, the object is actually, like, you are trying to throw everything that you can at this boss that you've learned over the, the entire course of the game. And if you were crazy like me and grinded to get like the the sword of the kings with Pooh and oh my goodness, you try to outfit your characters with like the best weapons you can and you get to the end and you're just finding like none of this preparation like really is working on this boss. Like you're throwing everything that you can at it, all of your PSI powers, all of your weapons, nothing's taking this thing down. Mm -hmm. But then you notice there's this one little option that you probably ignored up until now. It was there the entire time. And that was the prey option. And, you know, not to get, you know, too theological or spiritual and everything, but yeah, I'm sure you can come up with some really interesting, like good theological connections to, you know, <laughs> how prayer is typically the last resort for, you know, us mortal humans and all that. <laughs> I'm sure you can make some good connections yeah. there. But it's the, the entire point is that in order to defeat this final boss, you have to pray a certain amount of times. And you just basically have to like withstand the attacks that he's throwing at you during these times and heal up as much as you can. But prayer is the only answer. And as you're praying, yeah, <laughs> obviously it's like prayer is the only answer. That, that's good for life too. Yeah. <laughs> but as you're praying, like you're getting these glimpses of the characters that you've met throughout your journey and everything. And they're connecting to you through the same way. And they're praying as well. And like basically this, this final boss, this big, like 
epitome of all evil that's been, you know, unleashed upon this earth. Very similar to Lavos, actually, from Chrono Trigger, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout time and every and all that. And you have to time travel and all that. But like the prayers, you know, get to your main characters and through the power of prayer. This final boss, Gigas, he's actually exposed to like the power of love, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it has a lot of echoes back to like the first mother game right. and everything. And I, I really enjoyed the connections that they made between those two games in that regard and bringing up the same song that plays uh, with this, you know, alien and the, his mother that's actually like on Earth and all that that raised him and everything. It's, it's such a such a heartwarming battle. Honestly, <laughs> it's tragic, but it's like heartwarming. It's like your only resource here is prayer. So pray away, do yeah. it. And then that's eventually what you know, fells him. It's like, it's not all this like, you know, violence and these weapons and everything that you've done up until now. No, it's the power of prayer. And I, and I really appreciated like that kind of message being sent to the kids, you know, not necessarily presented in the Christian context or anything, but I think it's reflective of like the kind of like eighties and nineties atmosphere that they're trying to get into the game for like, you know, America. Mm-hmm. So I know it just, it was super interesting to me. And the boss in mother three is like infinitely tragic. And I, I would love Love to bring that up here, but that that would spoil so much. And <laughs> I hear it's made people cry, and you know, it may have made me a little bit dusty eyed as well. But oh, oof, dang, that boss just, just oh, it's a punch to the gut. The entire thing is a punch to the gut. But oh man, that's for another day. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, when and if, like, I definitely, yeah, after playing the first and the second, I definitely want to play the third. It's just how, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are ways, but I also have a backlog. I don't know. Someday. Yeah. Someday I'll, I'll yeah. get to it. Eventually. For a game called Mother, you definitely don't want to be a father playing that game. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Oh. Right there. Ouch. It is. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> man. But I digress. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll just say that Gygus made my list as what, you know, however you pronounce his name. Um, he, he was definitely on my list, but I knew I was talking with you today. I knew he was going to be on your list. So I cut him just so that I could talk about some other ones. But yes, he definitely deserves to be there because it's such a it's such a weird boss battle it's so out of left in a in a game full of weird boss battles like this one is mechanically weird and it's almost mm-hmm. mechanically it feels anticlimactic as you know like you talked about grinding for the, like these these ultimate weapons and that's not what ends up beating him so mechanically there's that but it is so satisfying because of what ends up happening and how you're actually able to beat him in in sort mm-hmm. of a shonen kind of way you know everyone around the world bands together to fight him it's not like you haven't seen that before but it, it is very satisfying in the context of mm-hmm. the game so de- definitely definitely one of the best bosses of all time for sure i totally agree even if he wasn't on my personal list uh he did he deserves to be there for sure um, but you knew who you were talking to, so <laughs> exactly, exactly. I knew that you would bring it up, so and and you delivered. So here we are. Yes. Um. Awesome. Down to the last two. I think one of them is the same because we've already mentioned in our talks. Mm-hmm. We've already mentioned this one's going to be on. So I'll, I'll save that one for last. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but I will say that these are from the same series, sort of. Um. And this one, this one is is way. I mean. I, I feel like this game is so out of left field that like I, I don't know if anyone listening has ever played it. Okay, whatever. Um, 
So one of my favorite games of all time is uh, Shin Megami Tensei. It's a spinoff. It's uh, not Devil's... Yeah, Devil's Survivor. Right? Am I am I thinking of the right term? It's got this, this stinking long... Yeah, it's Shin Megami Tensei, Devil's Survivor. Um, the PS2? No, it's for oh. it's for DS. So oh, the DS I, one, okay. Am I crazy? Is that... Yeah, Devil's Survivor. Yes, of okay. course. <laughs> Duh, because it's DS. It's Shin Megami Tensei oh. DS. Uh, come on. I should have I should have known. I never it's... Oh wow. <laughs> I hate Nintendo sometimes with these puns. So uh yeah. Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor. I played Overclocked, which is the remake for 3DS that adds some content and it adds voice acting. Uh, so not too much, but but it's there. Um the final boss, and and there are tons of different endings, so you know there it's not really the final boss. Technically, the game is seven days. It's the boss of day seven. But then depending on your your uh, decisions throughout the game, there's an eighth day. And so you can continue to play after that. But the final boss of day seven, the one that you will fight no matter what your decisions are, my understanding at least, is uh, the boss, is, is his name is Babel. And Babel uh, ends up, it's basically a test to see if you will become the most powerful being. And what Babel does is Babel summons all of the previous bosses from the game up to that point. Sort of. Not necessarily all of them, but but a lot of the standout bosses. The, the ones, there's a certain, um, I, I'm trying not to spoil anything, so sorry that I'm kind of dancing around it. But there is a certain class of boss in the game. I'll just put it that way. And it summons all of those from that class that you have fought up until that point. Um, sometimes two at a time, sometimes one at a time. And and so like the first bosses that it summons are easy because by this time in the game you've become a lot more powerful. But then it kinda then it's kinda like, oh, I just fought this thing like pretty soon after and that's the sorry that when it summons these it's actually the second form of the boss so you've already fought the first form and then it turns into its real form and then it summons all these other bosses and you fight them and then uh you have to finally once you've beaten all those then you have to go up against it and it's insanely powerful uh so it's like this huge boss gauntlet at the end of the game that will beat you down if you're unprepared um, like, uh, as I do, I just grinded a lot and got some really powerful demons. I basically needed to have a team that had multiple characters with the ability to, to, uh, revive and heal all of your HP, um, and basically use those as support characters for my main character because he was constantly dying because it was so difficult. Uh, but to me, that feels like kind of the ultimate challenge and like you have to play this game on its terms. Like you might have used other strategies to get up to this point, but now like this is a real test to actually beat it. And uh, man, it feels so good to finally beat this boss. I do also have to say there's another boss that's somewhat similar and that is the final alternate, like the final, final boss of Octopath Traveler. If you've done everything in the game, then you unlock this this very final boss fight. He's very similar in that he summons other bosses throughout the game before you fight it. Um, as much as I love that battle, 
it didn't make my list simply because there's some gaping flaws i think to that battle and one is that the strat you have to use a fairly specific strategy in order to beat the boss and you will not know it if you have not gotten up to the boss and because you have to beat all these other bosses before you beat it it's like an hour's worth of work that you will lose the first time you fight it like there's there's no <laughs> there's no way around it basically um yeah so i i love that boss in octopath but it's kind of cheap whereas mm -hmm. Babel is similar except that he's just really really powerful it's not it it's not that there's necessarily a specific strategy but it is certainly like you need to gird up your loins in order to to take down this boss so mm -hmm. Babel from that from devil survivor He's one of my favorite bosses. And that, my friends, is why I have not beaten Octopath Traveler yet. That game <laughs> is crazy hard. <laughs> yeah, it, yes. Yeah, and I love it for it. Mm -hmm. I love it because it's like you're not going to play on your terms. You have to play on my terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I've never played a, the uh, the Devil, Devil Survivor games mm -hmm. and all that. So I was expecting some more, like, you know, satanic names for, like, the final boss. But Babel, that just seems like, oh, that's pretty... It's pretty innocuous, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it is mm. so sort of. I mean, it it is definitely a biblical reference um, mm -hmm. because it is like this. I mean, when you fight it, it's like this sideways, like, but it's like this monolith that comes down from from the heavens. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, and I mean, obviously, there's demon. The game, it's they're demons that you have in the game. Mm -hmm. They're not just personas. Um, th but the well. I, again i'm not sure how much to spoil um but there is like it is it is making reference to a class of demons i'll say okay. so mm -hmm. so it's not demonic in the sense that like oh it's loose it was loose for the whole time like some of the other games are like a lot of the <laughs> games are um <laughs> this one this one takes a different turn but it is i, I okay I'll, I'll say this um the test that you're going up against is whether or not you will whether or not you're powerful to become like lord over the demons mm, okay not necessarily in the way like depending on you know whether you've gone chaos or or law which again i mentioned i always go law so whatever so it's not it's not like you're the king of hell no not necessarily but like you are powerful enough that all other demons arch demons will recognize that okay this dude has authority over me because otherwise he's going to murder me. <laughs> it's interesting. You bring up Lucifer, Lucifer though, you know, slight tangents. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Demi kids game. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. The, yeah, those games and everything. Them, yeah. And I remember like specifically seeing them in stores and I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Demi kids. I don't know. Does that mean they're kind of kids? Partially kids. Uh -huh. I don't know. Right, yeah, I no idea. <laughs> no idea. The connection to, you know, the, the Shin Megami Tensei universe. So finally picked up the dark version. And I, th I think it was like earlier this year, started it up on my Game Boy and everything. And like instantly you're greeted with the scene of like this demon in hell. He's like, hey, Lucifer, what are we going to do? Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my goodness. I am glad I did not pick this game up as a kid because instantly you're confronted with Lucifer and demons and wow. like, Oh, shoot. Yeah, my parents would not have let me play that game. <laughs> but I digress. That was a slight tangent. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Demons all over the place in those games. <laughs> there you go. And, and speaking 
<laughs> Speaking of these, you know, kind of a fantastical, mythical, mystical, demonic type characters. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we both have the same one at number one. So I'll let you yeah. do the honors because you completed the game first. <laughs> Introduce the best baddie of all time, the best boss. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, um, you know, you think it would have kind of a more menacing name, but this is from Persona 3. Uh, the final boss in Persona 3 is, it's called Nick's Avatar. And uh, it's basically the personification of death coming to the earth to destroy everyone, which is interesting because you can actually fight the Grim Reaper in the game. Uh, which will basically kill you instantly. There's a way to beat it, but I was mm-hmm. not that insane. I, I didn't. <laughs> I was never able to actually beat nope. it. Nope. Um, yeah, didn't stand a chance. So the Nyx avatar, and and I guess similar to what we've talked about here before, it's not that the entire game has kind of like, you know, talked about this thing coming, but towards the end of the game, it is certainly, you know, behind everything else was the the coming of this thing or the summoning of this thing really <laughs> mm-hmm. throughout the game uh, but towards the end the final i guess a, like quarter of the game when you realize what's going to happen and the toll that it takes on your characters and how your character and this is why i love the cast so much how their resolve is we're going to fight this but they're also teenagers and they're like we're going to fight this we are going to fight this, right? Can can we actually do this? Like, mm-hmm. like there's this sense of just like dread because they're not sure that they can actually do uh, what they're what they've all resolved to do. Um, so, I mean, first and foremost, yeah, just what it represents through in the game itself is fantastic. On top of that, uh, the mechanics of the fight it is a multi layered fight that goes through all of the different arcana in the game. Uh, arcana, arcana, I don't know how to pronounce it. but mm-hmm. um, So it it basically, you know, like in a Final Fantasy game, it takes the form of fire and then ice and then earth and then, you know, light. Um, but it goes, it cycles through each of them. So each time it has a different weakness, which if you've mm-hmm. played a Shin Megami Tensei game, it's very important to hit an enemy's weakness. Uh, so this one has all of like it cycles through all of them, and it also is very uh, uh, resistant to uh, other types of attacks as mm-hmm. well, and it, it, because of the way that it cycles through, um, and it can even heal <laughs> from some type of attacks that hit it, and it's very frustrating. And mm-hmm. don't 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 get us wrong. This is not just you know the normal like form change for bosses where it goes through like one or two forms. This goes through all the arcana, which right. is like what twelve to fourteen. This yes. is like a 12 to 14 different form boss. Mm-hmm. And it is completely crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you think, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Healing it too, because it can change in between turns. Um, so mm-hmm. like if you've told one of your characters or no, that's what it was. So um, because this, this is one of the drawbacks of persona three is that um, in the original version or in the PlayStation uh, two version, um, so either the original or Fess, you can't actually control your other characters. You can only control your main character. Um, your other con- your other characters are AI controlled. So um, they might attack and heal it <laughs> mm-hmm. if it changes, uh, which was a big pain in the butt. Um, but this is seriously, I mean, like an hour long fight at least. 
Um, and it, it, oh my goodness. And then the music that plays too is so good. Like the whole, thematically it is just done so well. And then you fight this, yeah, this multi-layered boss that you're constantly on the edge of like dying and reviving and then Mm -hmm. gaining ground. And then it feels like you're on the brink of death. Ugh, it's, it's, it's so good because it, it toys with you and, and you're like, like even, (laughs) even when it starts changing arcana, the first few times you're like, okay, 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 this happened. Wait, is it seriously going to go through all of these? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you really going to have to, yeah, like fight like 13 different versions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like it has like a ton of HP each time, but it's like you have to change up your strategy each time. <laughs> so it feels like a, it feels like a chess game. Yeah. You have to kind of, which itself. Her. Yeah, like, okay, here, so here's my experience with it. I've only played okay. the portable version of it, which does allow you to actually have direct control of your characters, mm-hmm. which was, like, an absolutely wonderful addition, and I cannot believe they didn't let you do that before because right. that just seems like a completely crazy oversight. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot even imagine trying to play this while not being able to control all of your different characters. This just seems insane to me. But I, what I really appreciated about it is that, like you said, it's like this personification of, death itself and the dread that they're feeling throughout the game and obviously not getting into too many spoilers because this game is best experience like not knowing everything but mm-hmm. just understanding like where these characters have come from throughout their journey with you and how they have gotten to interact with you and open up over time and sharing these like dark secrets about like how they're feeling and you actually get to see much of the trauma that they actually have to go through and like, you know, actual death in many cases and just their experiences with that and the reactions to it. And as you're all coming together to fight this, like basically like the symbolic personification of death and everything and trying to understand it and realizing kind of like the inevitability of it all. Ah, man, it just like gets you right in the gut, right in the gut. Yeah. Uh, The thing that I texted you, like as soon as I beat that boss was, this is the best boss fight I've ever experienced in a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like e- this is better than Earthbound because like really all of these different games that I mentioned, you know, like mechanically or like symbolically or like what do these different boss battles mean? Like this basically encompasses all those different like super cool aspects of a good boss battle. Yeah. Like I don't think I've ever seen a boss battle done. Yeah, that's true. As good as this game. Yeah. And then, and then even you're talking about the themes of the game. I was, I was thinking about, you know, mechanics and like actually fighting it. But then even as you get towards the end, what the main character has to do in order to, uh, in order to fend off this boss, because you don't actually kill it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of spoilery territory here. Um, But when you beat it, it doesn't actually die. And because it is death. Right. (laughs) There you go. You you can't really kill death. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Ah, There's so much to talk about. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, just in just in the game in general, because even how you mentioned um, experiencing the different the different forms of trauma and then death as well, because there's a point in this game. um, I know I know a lot of gamers have an affinity for a certain scene uh, with Aerith. Um, 
But there's a point in this game. I can't that, believe you're going there. <laughs> that uh, that hits that hit me harder. I'll put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, admittedly, I'm not a big fan of Final Fantasy VII in general. But uh, yeah, yeah, there, there's there's a very jarring point in this. So so you feel it as a as a player as well as you see these other characters going through it. And so yeah, oh man, that you know what? That's a really good point because I said you don't really know um this main boss nix uh until the very end of the game and while that's true because it's this personification of death and death is something that you've been having to deal with through the entire game um it it, it sort of has been looming you know the entire time mm-hmm. um, and and yeah just to heap a little bit more praise on persona 3 uh cuz i'm such a fanboy is that that may sound very um that may sound just very like edge lord if you haven't played the game <laughs> but i will say that they they actually treat it very delicately mm-hmm. like like you feel the impact of these things for sure i'm not saying i'm not saying they blunt it but i'm saying that it's not just like it's not a gore fest it's not emo slit your wrists kind of a thing like no mm-hmm. i i think they actually kind of try and tackle these themes as as much as they can from a you know, from, from their perspective. And not only that, but like they take those, you know, criticisms basically it's like, Oh yeah. Emo edgelord thing. And they actually like, actually like combat that in the game itself, because you do come across these different characters that represent these more like, you know, Oh, emo edgelord, that sort of thing. Oh, this is like super dark and grimy and gritty and everything and all that. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. they directly like address those concerns throughout the game and show you how wrong that perspective is mm-hmm. necessarily. So it's like, it's super jarring to see that sort of thing, like actually play out in the game. And even, you know, it, it's kind of an overplayed word, but it's like, it's a mature way. Like this yeah. is actually a sensible, mature way of tackling these different ideas and like these different bad ideas that people have. And they, they address them. They're not going to shy away from them. And in the game that's, you know, primarily about death, it's good that they're actually like taking a look at how people can like misconstrue this idea of death and like what it can actually mean for different characters at different times in their life and everything. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm just shocked that it took me this long to play the game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like it was kind of persona four. I feel like is where the series really blew up in Mm -hmm. in consciousness. Now maybe, maybe I just wasn't, you know, super into video games at the time when this one was released. I don't know. I just feel like four as like obscure as it is to like actually get a copy of that, or at least it has been now it's on steam, but you know, like Vita, I, f- I feel like four is where it really became popular. So three is like, Oh, if you're, if you're, you know, cool. And I was, I was there, you know, back when it first started <laughs> <clears throat> kind of a thing. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm glad that I experienced persona three first, just because I, I, I didn't have anything. I, di- I didn't go in with any expectations. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So because mechanically, I mean, not to continue to talk about Persona Three, but I'm going to anyway. Um, the mechanics, like I talked about, not being able to control your characters, like Persona Four plays better than Persona Three. Uh, I just think Persona Three tells a better story, has better characters, uh, and so overall, I I enjoyed it more. So. Mm. It's the it's the Final Fantasy VI to Persona Four's Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah, I guess you could say Let's that. Let's go with that. I guess you could we'll say go that. With that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except I actually enjoyed Persona Four, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that Persona, or excuse me, Final Fantasy VII is a terrible game. I don't. I have much more animosity for Final Fantasy VIII than I do for VII. But that's a whole other Ooh. conversation. That Hot has nothing takes. to do with bosses. Um, unless I want to throw the last boss of eight in uh, in worse bosses. Um, <laughs> but actually, you know what? That's a good segue. Why don't we go? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do, or do we want to do any kind of runner-up? I don't know. I'll, I'll just list off my runner-ups real quickly. Okay? I had Mike Tyson from uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. <laughs> Because that dude's insane. <laughs> he's he's just, like that's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I also had Shadow Link from Zelda Two, another like super tough as nails boss. Uh, if you don't cheese it, you can cheese it if you want to. But it's cool to fight yourself. That's just cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I threw in the big daddies in Bioshock because it feels really cool the first time you fight it and you take one down because it just feels like this this huge like force of nature. Uh, and then to actually take it down, yeah, it just feels great. Uh, Gigas or Gigas and Psychomantis were runners up, and then um, I, I can't remember exactly. You'll probably remember better than I. But at the end of Bravely Default, uh, I remember ah, uh, mm-hmm. fighting. Well, spoiler. Yeah, here we go. Uh, fighting Aerie felt really good to finally stick it to her. <laughs> but then <laughs> yes. uh, Ouroboros. <laughs> was mm-hmm. uh, was a pretty intense battle as well so those are those especially are just especially with the fourth wall breaking stuff yeah honestly. yeah yeah so it's yeah. so it's kind of like the end of that game not even necessarily a single boss fight it's just like the whole end of that game <laughs> especially after a really brutal mid game mm-hmm. cool. very brutal oh now I don't have any runner-ups, but mm-hmm. I did notice something uh, that you were mentioning. So, you know, Shadow Link from Zelda 2 and everything. Yes. So what you're saying, uh, Link Link fights like a shadow version of himself. So does that make Link the original Persona user? <laughs> there you go. Because we've got to bring Persona in into everything. Order, Just yes. for Paul. Just for Paul. <laughs> so in in Zelda, can you date your teacher? That's the question. Because obviously you're dating multiple versions of Zelda. Because that's true. The one Zelda that's sleeping was what the daughter of the Zelda that you say. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. None of the Zeldas are connected. <laughs> the whole Zelda mythos and, and whatever comes whenever was all just made up so that it could all connect together. None of them are really in the same timeline. It's a myth, guys. Anyways. I hate to break it to you. They're video games. They're they're all made up. <laughs> Yeah, I don't anyways. know if you thought they were real, but <laughs> anyways, my two cents. Okay, uh, do you have any worst bosses? That oh, I have fun? a bunch of worst bosses. Okay, okay. get ready for a yeah. big list of hot takes. Let's do it. Okay, so okay, we got to hit the big one first, and that is okay. Sephiroth. Okay. okay, so I do not, I do not have too much hatred for Final Fantasy VII. I, I enjoy the game. Right, I, I enjoyed yeah. it for what it was. Came out at a great time. You know, very formidable. You know angsty emo years and everything mm-hmm. and you know sephiroth was kind of like that you know he's, he's so cool all right da, 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 yes. da. advent children came out you thought he was like the coolest dude on the block yeah but oh my goodness that final fight obviously against sephiroth uh, you know that's not really a spoiler to say that the main villain of the game is the yeah. final final boss you fight yeah i hate that final boss so much okay so much specifically because he casts what is it meteor i think he casts meteor and okay. you have to go through an fmv cutscene every single time he casts the stupid spell and it's this big giant meter going through all the different planets and everything and you see it every single time he casts it 
and going on like a PlayStation where the battles are taking yes. forever as it is. No, this is totally unnecessary. This is a very, very stupid thing. <laughs> Don't do this ever again. <laughs> I was about to say that is so PlayStation one. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, that battle is just so shenanigans. And it's like, that's, that's not like the final, final form. And I felt like, you know, the final, final form of Sephiroth, that was, that was better, but oh my goodness, everything leading up to that is just shenanigans. So putting yeah. Sephiroth there. Th- yeah, that's true. And that was one, that was Nate's one wish is that we mentioned Sephiroth. Uh, mm. as as a worst boss so when i when i talked about how he was going to show up later in the podcast that was what he wanted us to say <laughs> is sephiroth is a punk and he's 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 just the worst there you go <laughs> <laughs> you've hit the quota for the, but but i will say well never mind that'll spoil things so final <laughs> fantasy 7 remake definitely ah. does better things Ooh, better things interesting way better Highly recommend cool. people check that game out because that is a really good game. Nice. But got a couple other things here. Uh, I'm also going to bring up Zelda. Uh, okay. This is the original, original Legend of Zelda, the first one on the NES. Okay. And I, it's not really a boss per se, but I'm going to say that entire eighth dungeon can just go die in a fire. I like to burn it down. The entire thing okay. is horrible, terrible design. <laughs> whatever those Deku Nut things, whatever those knights that battle you they can they can just go oh, yeah. die i hate that entire thing i have never been able to beat it because of that final dungeon okay that whole dungeon is my boss i don't like it <laughs> that game is overrated uh going along with a different mm. game mm. <laughs> i'm gonna also you know burn some burn some bridges here i'm gonna say most mario games most of those final battles they're terrible most of them are especially mario 64 oh okay okay every bowser fight in mario 64 is dumb i don't like it they are all terrible because you have to go around them. You have to grab them by the tail. You have mm-hmm. to like spin them around. You have to aim somehow in this 3D space Interesting. against the bomb. So you can like hit them against the bomb and everything. But if you throw them off, then, you know, your entire time is wasted. Oh, it's so frustrating. I, I, I love Mario 64 to death. I hate every Bowser fight basically ever. Wow. The only good Bowser is the one that joins you in Mario RPG. That's my hot <laughs> take for today. That, that, yeah. Yeah. He is. He's definitely pretty good in that. You know, actually, Bowser did make my list as well um, mm-hmm. because, well, for that same thing. And and you're right. I mean, it's a lot of Mario bosses, to be honest, um, because I, I can't even remember his name in, in Mario 3, uh, the one that constantly is always at the end of the the castle levels. Um, I can't remember. Oh, it, yeah, that guy. The one the you jump guy. on three times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry, oh, they're all turtle guys. Yeah, <laughs> right. But after you know, after the third time you fight him, it's kind of like, okay, why are we doing this again? Like, mm-hmm. you've clearly just recycled the same thing. Oh, this time you gave him wings. Okay, that's kind of cool. But <laughs> why, like every single castle, you have to fight uh, this yeah. thing? Uh, like, you, you can't think of anything else. But any uh, good I player could beat that guy within five seconds of getting to the castle. Yeah, like, it's nothing basically after right. like the second and third time yes yes exactly and and yeah i agree that that it's very similar with bowser himself he's often uh he's often a pushover and it, yeah he's he's not good i've never played mario 64 so i don't know what he's like in that it's funny that you say that because i saw him on some of the best of lists in mario 64 um i've i just haven't played mario 64 so i don't know um but people clearly have bad taste for it sorry (laughs) sorry not sorry so i it is a hot take but i completely agree with you 
often Mario bosses are not very good. There there are occasionally good ones. Uh, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the I like the um, Koopa Kids, Koopa Cousins from Mario Three. They're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot. That's kind of the exception rather than the rule in general, right? Mario. Yeah. So yes, I yeah, agree. Even up into like the new Super Mario Brothers games, like Bowser's just just a terrible boss to end on. Even yeah. in Odyssey, I didn't enjoy it. Like it's like, oh yeah, okay. this is the final boss. You go through the same thing over and yeah. over again. It differs very little game to game. Did you ever play uh, Mario U, Mario 3D World oh. on Wii U? That's what. Yes, called. I did. Okay. Do you remember the the Bowser fight at the end of that one? Climbing up the building. I was like like kind of rabid looking. Here's the thing about okay. <laughs> that game, <laughs> Super Mario 3D World. I played that along with my wife. Uh-huh. And we played co-op on that. Yeah. And we decided it was a really bad idea for us to play that game co-op. <laughs> gotcha. So that she's game just so in good, general, right? She's so good, yeah, and I'm really bad, and gotcha. that's just not going to work for our relationship. <laughs> okay, gotcha. But yes, I, I do remember that one a little bit. That one did stick out a little bit because you were climbing a building and everything, and that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But no. Right, yeah, in general. Okay. Cool. I have two more on my list. Two more. Okay, Sorry. me too. got to mention I them real quick. I have two more. Okay. Although uh, you might disagree with one of them, but anyways. Probably not. Probably not. You're usually right. So uh, Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Here's the thing about Kingdom Hearts. All the battles are basically the same. You know, you Mm -hmm. you just rush in, attack, do some magic, heal up, try to rely on Donald Duck, but realize that he's just going to break (laughs) your heart all the time. Uh But there's this one battle in the original Kingdom Hearts Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I was probably, I was certainly mentally saying a lot of curse words during this, Mm -hmm. this boss battle, like right when it first came out, like in 2001 or 2002. So it was really hard. And I probably verbally said a lot of bad words too, just kind of under my breath. That that would be the Ursula battle from the Little Mermaid world. Okay. And what makes that battle insane is that the entire you know Little Mermaid world is underwater, and you have to control Sora as a merman type character. So you have to like think of like okay, going up, going down, going around, and everything. You have to like really explore better with like his merman capabilities, and that. I, I probably spent like an entire day just going and replaying that battle over and over again. And then I had gotten that when I broke my leg. So I was in a cast. So Ooh. like there was nothing I could do except play video games. Yeah. So it's like I spent my entire Saturday just doing that over and over and over again. Ugh. And when I finally beat that level, I was, you know, so full of like anger for Ursula mm-hmm. more so than normal. And I was so relieved and everything. I just, Bashed the PlayStation 2 controller like against the ground and broke it, <laughs> which made things a lot trickier. But then several years later, oh, I had a roommate who was trying to play that exact world, and he was having the same problem I was. Uh. And my muscle memory was so attuned to that stupid battle that I was able to basically go right in, play that one time, first try, boom, beat Ursula. And I was like, I'm done with this game forever. Dang. Never playing this again. It's like that is that is trauma. That's living trauma right there that you just witnessed, <laughs> sir. And that's Ugh. why I hate Ursula. Ugh. Yeah, the underwater stuff is not great in general. Um, but yeah, PS2 clunkiness doesn't exactly make that any easier. So, no. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I don't have any, like, th- both of these are just kind of meh. Like, it's it's not like, I'm, I can't end on a big note. That's what I'm trying to do. 
and it's not happening here. Um, so the one. Don't worry, that I'll I say, will. I will. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Great. Then I'm, I'm looking forward. <laughs> then I'll say both of mine, and then you can then because we'll save the best for last. So um, I'll say. That, so my first one here is Fontaine, the final battle in Bioshock, uh, which oh. amazingly I. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, just spoiled Bioshock. Um, <laughs> amazingly, the. I saw a list on which he was like touted as one of the best. It was either one of the best or one of the hardest bosses. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Cause he was easy. Um, I think I died once, but like he, he was very simple. And even Ken Levine uh, has gone on record as saying like, yeah, he was just kind of thrown together at the last minute because we were told that the game needed a final boss. Um, so even mm -hmm. he like doesn't like the fact that he was in the game that he had to be in the game in that form. Um, so yeah, he he was very he was very anticlimactic for such a good game. Uh, he was mm -hmm. anticlimactic. Okay, so the other one is a little bit of a hot take, sort of a little joke. Um, I get it; he's more of a tutorial than a boss, but still, it annoyed me how many times he showed up. And you've already mentioned him in another um, in another form, uh, but it's Gary Oak in the original Red and Blue. <laughs> He was just such a joke. He mm -hmm. was never difficult. He picked the, or yeah, he picked the, um, the Pokemon that you were, uh, that you were strong against. So like he never stood a chance anyway. Um, but he was always a joke and he was a punk and, and apparently like he reforms himself. So that's great. But in mm -hmm. red and blue, he was just, he was just a joke. So I think it's worst. I will have to correct you on that. Now he okay. always picked the one that's strongest against yours. Oh, elemental really? wise. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I'm just if you have it. like any like brains in your head, you know how Pokemon works. Yeah. Obviously you can trounce them. And the thing that gets me about him is that he is actually considered to be like the champion after you go yeah. up against Lance in the elite four. Now, yeah. if you know anything about Lance, Lance has three, not one, not two, but three Dragonites as his disposal. <laughs> and he wrecks shop. Lance is like, a boss, like the boss, basically, you know. Yeah. Definitive article there. there and then afterwards, like Gary O comes and he's like, Yeah, I'm the champion. Nah, 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 nah. Mm -hmm. I beat everybody. Now you gotta beat me. And I'm just like, Yeah, shut up, dude. <laughs> You're the worst. Uh also also he was a punk in the anime too. So Oh for sure, yeah. 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 <laughs> so Okay, I'm I'm glad I'm not I'm not ruffling feathers there. Oh no. Gary is the worst. <laughs> Although he is redeemed in gold and silver quite a bit, yeah. actually. He eats yeah. some humble pie. Nice. That's so good. It, it's re they, they do a little good thing with him. Okay, so I, I got to get my runner up here first before I get to the big one. Okay. Mega Man X. I love Mega Man X to death. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. one of my favorite Mega Man games ever. I played that so many times. I've even gotten the Hadouken. I yes. am that much mm. committed to Mega Man X. Music that being said... It, and that music, oh my goodness, that music's so good too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But that final boss against Sigma is, I can't even think of a good word to describe just how terrible that final boss is. He is such a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. It literally gets to the point where like, there's nowhere in the room that you can hide from his attacks coming forward that you have to get hit. You have to like take damage from him. Mm -hmm. other thing and as a kid i was never ever ever able to beat him that was like oh. my my like you know giant 
piece of shame, honestly, mm-hmm. because I loved that game so much, but I could never beat Sigma. And I didn't beat him until just a couple of years ago when I had it on 3DS. And you know what? Of course, I save scummed it. I save scum it proudly. I, oh man, I well, hate Sigma. Sigma can go die in a fire. You, you, just like the you say you save scummed it, but really that last level. So so here's my experience is playing. I did beat it when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. um, but it's because that last level, it's literally it, it is it's probably the worst level in all of mm-hmm. gaming. Um, because you literally just climb up the walls and that's all that it is. Right. But there are enemies there. And so like you scave scumming was basically the same thing that I would do, except I was be, I was just like killing the little bugs that would come out of the walls, gaining more life, refilling all my energy tanks and, um, hopefully getting one ups as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not much different than save scumming. Really, it right. just takes a lot longer, and it's way more annoying. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame you for doing that. <sighs> He's absurd, and I'm like, how in the world did I play Mega Man two, and I can get all the way up to like the Dragon Boss and everything, but Sigma of all people. <laughs> the bald headed Sephiroth of the Mega Man family. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty edgy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't um, know. <laughs> so, which which are you specifically talking about the third form? Yeah, the third form where he's got his little claws out and everything and you yeah. have to like jump on his claws and I think you have to use the rolling shield as yep. like the, the main weapon That's it. I, just, mm-hmm. I could never do it. Yeah. But the, apparently like there's one specific place that you could stand on his hand. Like you have to be super pixel perfect, but if you stand on his hand in exactly one place, you'll never get hit, and you can basically just keep hitting him as much as you want. And I did not oh, discover wow. that until I was an adult. I was like, "Man, this would have made my my childhood a lot easier." <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was it was constantly moving and then hoping that you can jump on the 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 ledge that actually lifts up to where you could actually mm-hmm. reach him. Uh, yeah, totally. But it was also I had four E tanks, so you know, like <laughs> so did I. That's that's the only I don't way. Get- yeah. Ah. Okay, so the final one. Cool. The final one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to break mm-hmm. Nate's heart. <gasps> I'm going to oh. break his heart. But oh. I have never. Oh. Okay, you know, Sigma, terrible. Ursula, awful. Bowser, whatever. The final boss in Shadow of the Colossus, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've raged harder about a final <laughs> boss than that one. Wait, and even, I am going even to breaking a PS2 controller. Yeah, yeah. I almost broke the PS4 controller. Trust <laughs> me. But I don't get I don't usually get angry when I'm playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I got livid during that final boss. And when it's just this one like slight jump away and it's the PS2 mechanics really working against me. The oh, it was so frustrating. Like yeah. I will never like I, I I finally beat that. Like it was probably like a three hour like holy battle that I did. It was ridiculous. That took Whoa. me like that was like I don't know, forty percent of my game time right there was just on that final boss because I could just not get the jumps right when you're supposed to like go from like the hair on his arms to like the different parts that yeah, you're supposed okay, to get to yeah. up to his shoulder uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. And I just kept and getting knocked off. All the way down. All the way down. And then you have to go through that entire section again, dodging whatever like is thrown at you at that point. And I was like, this is 
the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a game. I will I will probably I'm sorry, I'm gonna break his heart more. I will probably never, ever, ever go back to that game ever again just because of that final boss <laughs> battle. Because of that. <laughs> I'm very salty about the ending to that game. Yeah. And I'm probably breaking Micah's heart as well. Yeah. And I'm sorry, guys, but I cannot even fathom how anybody could feel like that's fun. There was nothing fun about that final battle. I'm sure if you're like a really awesome expert at the game, but it was just all the mechanics working against me. Like I can't, I can't abide by that. And that's why it earns the worst award from me. Okay. I I can see it. It was, it was, it was frustrating for me as well. Um, So sorry, I'm, I'm trying to play through this in my head because I do think the atmosphere was very cool. Um, it was, I do think like, in concept, you know, scaling this huge thing, I get it. But mechanically, that well, it was clunky. <laughs> Very um, clunky. There was there was a huge. It wasn't even like a huge like life or death type thing. If you fell off, it was just a frustration of like, oh, okay, it's gonna take me another what feels like ten minutes to get to Easily. get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. So so it was more just annoyance. So I'll put it this way, like because of the atmosphere, because of the buildup, it feels really cool at first. And then once you start doing it again and again and again, then it's no like you lose that sense of immersion. Mm -hmm. It's no longer you scaling this thing. It's you sitting, trying to push these buttons at the right moment in order to get to the next part. It totally takes you out of the experience. Exactly. I agree. And I was... Like in a perfect setting for this too, because I was like, yeah. I was all home alone. I had spent like the entire weekend basically playing this game, and it was it was basically fantastic up to that point. Okay, and you know there were a couple colossi that I was kind of like, uh, I don't like this one as much, and yeah, the dog one really threw me off, and the eel one I probably had nightmares about that later. Ah. but oh my goodness, that one it's like it broke the game for me. Like I look back on it, and that's what I remember, and I just feel yeah. like ugh. This game had so much promise and it was so good up until this point. And then it just, it lost me completely. <laughs> until the I just, end. Oh. But it was such a big chunk of my playtime. It's like that right. ending lasted forever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, man. That's yeah. the worst. And I'm sorry, Nate can't defend himself. So it's just definitively <laughs> it. It is written right. down in the backlog <laughs> breakdown canon now. Shout out the Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Is as, as as high as it is on our list of, of best games of all time, it also has one of the worst bosses of all time. That's a that's it. And you know, funny enough, I, I went through a lot of these lists, okay, because I because I felt mm-hmm. like there's got to be some that I'm forgetting, and that's mm-hmm. why I had such a huge list too, just because you know I felt like a lot of these needed to be mentioned as well. No joke, I saw him on at least a couple of best of lists that boss just because it was talking about how epic it was to to do that Mm -hmm. but no i i agree it it made it frustrating it didn't break the game for me but it it was definitely yeah it was the most frustrating thing in the game for sure Mm -hmm. i was trying i was trying to hold on just based on how much the atmosphere was trying to make you feel you feel like there was a lot at stake but yeah at a certain point a certain point the immersion's just broken because there's really not much at stake when you fall down. It's just, oh, I have to do this again. Yeah, exactly. And I hate and wasting it's slow. time. It's, mm-hmm. it's slow to climb. 
it's slow to get back to where you were and then and then uh the most frustrating thing is like halfway up then you miss a jump and then it's just like uh, yeah yeah no the worst thing is when you're right there at the top right there at the top and because you just hold on one like millisecond too long your guy goes flying down (laughs) and you're just like i have to do this whole thing over again yeah does anything that i do matter in this game (sighs) yeah that's true that the higher you are like the closer you are to his head generally the the farther you'll fall and so Mm -hmm. that makes it even worse well yeah i don't want to belabor the point but uh (laughs) i i see i see what you mean yes and i cannot wait to hear his reaction to this (laughs) yeah his rage you're the worst boss wes <laughs> I hope he says that. <laughs> That's oh awesome. man. All right. Well, uh this has been fun uh recounting mm-hmm. all these bosses and, and making our own uh, arguments. Uh I'm sure there's some that we missed if there are that that you know stick out in your mind that we should have mentioned. Uh well, one, we I might not have played the game that you're thinking of. But two, we'd love to hear for your input uh, and, and, you know, tell us what we should know. Um, there's tons of ways that you can get in contact with us on Twitter. Our handle is at BB downcast. You can email us at the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. We're also, we have a, a group on Facebook, the hashtag backlog book club. We're also on discord. If you want a link for that. Um, and then of course there's all the, the personal ways that you can reach out. Um, I generally go by Broccolope on the internet. Spelled B R O C C O L O P E. Um, and if you like what you hear, you can rate and review and subscribe and all the fun things. Uh, share this episode with your friends. And we do also have a Patreon if you're interested in supporting us there. Uh, Wes, how can they? I was about to call you Nate. That was weird. <laughs> I've just done this 64 times before. Um, uh, how, how can people get in touch with you? Or do you want people getting in touch with you? <laughs> Well, first off, if your friends are big fans of Shadow of the Colossus, please don't share this episode with them. I have a weak constitution. I don't want to get beat up. Second of all, I am not nearly as handsome as that bearded man, Nate. But I I thank you for the compliment. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, You can find me at the Henshin Dad Podcast. I haven't done too many episodes recently just because work, career stuff mixed with all this craziness happening in the world and my schedule basically being changed on me week to week. I don't know what's going on anymore. So, you know, I'm just like, oh, whatever. But I recently did a review on Ready Player Two. Mm -hmm. Beautiful tome, honestly. It's it's an instant classic right there. You got, you know, (laughs) I think I mentioned to Paul, you got To Kill a Mockingbird. You got The Great Gatsby. Ready Player Two. Yeah, it works. It slots right into the literary canon. <laughs> but yes, you can find me at the Henshin Dad podcast. I talk about Tokusatsu, Ultraman. Uh, more Ultra Q talk is definitely going to happen because that show is great mm-hmm. and everybody should go watch it. And it's free and it's in black and white. It's really cool looking. But yeah, that's that's how you can get a hold of me. And I, you can find me pretty much in all the same places that they're at. I follow them around. I'm kind of like the the groupie, the really cool groupie that like, you know, tries to move around all of their sound equipment and their musical instruments and. You know, I like to say, I like to say I'm with the band. I'm with the backlog breakdown. <laughs> yeah, man, you are a part of the backlog breakdown. What are you talking about? Here you are. <laughs> um, no, and we both are a part of the play well network. Uh, and mm, we have a lot yeah. of fun with that group. Um, get pwned. Get pwned. 
So, you Try guys, uh, till next time, you keep beating down your backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. And the final word goes to Mr. Nate underscore McKeever, who says, Yeah, it rained all day, and I'm Justin wiped out at this pune. Might even go to bed early. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Stupid autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, classic. <laughs> <laughs>